accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Rogue Opinions Podcast. And uh, today is a very grapple sequel to uh, a, grap- a grapple update. And uh, who uh, who else would we call in for any of this than the All Risk Agency, a.k.a. the A-Team? That's right. It's me, Jimmy, and uh, Nathan, and Scott. What's going on, boys? How's it going? You guys you guys like that intro? You guys, I, I think I'm just going to sound like I lose my mind more. Every time I introduce a podcast, I think that's fun for people. <laughs> it does sound fun. Like You should just slowly get more and more unhinged. I try to start quicker a lot of the time, too, and then, like, slow down into a crawl so people, you know, know where it's going at some point. You know, best started at 90, 95 miles an hour and then slowly let your foot off the gas and roll to a stop. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is a very grapple sequel. We're going to cover a multitude of topics, uh, such as the uh, in-your-house takeover that happened what feels like, I don't know, six months ago at this point, and then a couple weeks of NXT, AEW, and Backlash. And I heard through the grapevine, through the grapevine, that Nathan has a little bit of a game for us. And we're going to be doing that as well right here on the podcast today. So, who has some thoughts on TakeOver? Who, what did they what did they not say on a podcast already about takeover uh, I reckon that that house is probably the greatest set of all time 100 <laughs> percent I don't I don't want to sound like a cheap plug but on my other podcast with Paul we've been doing a series where we look back at in your houses and so I think the uh, well, because well, I didn't watch these when they happened, but because I've been watching some of the other ones recently, the seeing the music and like Todd Pettengill and all the house thing, it just it was because it was also recent. My head was just marking out so much. Like I didn't even grow up during this period, but I'm like, oh, they got the house, they got Todd Pettengill, and like even joked about whether or not they were going to do the con to sell a house to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, do you mind if we if we just uh, do it? Scott, just hold down the fort for a second, Jimmy. Can I just have a uh, quick word? Just it's an emergency. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. What's up? He like jumped straight into a plug for his other fucking stupid podcast. No, uh, I know. he's on Rogue Opinions. Like, what's he doing? What's he chucking that out for? We don't just we don't just give places away in the A team. I just figured that he was gonna be you know have a little more couth, maybe a little more you know yeah. finesse. Yeah. Look, cause he did he, this the other he day. He had a section. But... We have a section where we do plugs. I'm not talking about the Patreon that Pro Wrestling Magic started. I'm not talking about the podcast you and I did with Pro Wrestling Magic uh, manager uh, in charge, Steve Off. I didn't do any of that stuff. No, no, not at all. And, and like he did this the other day on the Naked Men Year celebration. I asked, he like did our intro, but it was just a plug for his other fucking podcast. Wait, with... you, wait you told me that everybody had to come into a booth. 
and do those. I wasn't going to bring Scott into the booth. Don't mention the booth. He's only going to get upset. But you, but you, but that booth was hot. You didn't, you didn't have the air conditioner on. Anyway, right. right. This guy, this guy's asking me to jump in his van because there's ice cream. Listen, ask for the ice cream up front. Is it David Hasselhoff? I think so. Uh, if it's David Hasselhoff, you're fine. Yeah, you're always fine with the Hoff. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> you don't hassle the Hoff either. You don't hinder gender, and you never hassle the Hoff. No, you get straight in his van. <laughs> yeah, goddamn right. Goddamn right. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, so, go do, let's go do this podcast. Okay, so uh, for me at least, I think the worst of the cinematic experiences that we've seen thus far from WWE, AEW, NXT, whatever was on this show i feel like maybe giving what they gave us recently uh velveteen dream and adam cole didn't necessarily live up to like stadium stampede or uh firefly funhouse or uh the grave the graveyard match or boneyard or whatever the fuck it was um and definitely it was not what we saw in backlash 110 percent uh but yeah what did you guys think of uh nxt's attempt at the uh cinematic experience I liked it. Uh, I I did very much enjoy it. I love watching the Velveteen Dream at all times. I liked uh, Adam Cole's big uh, big monster truck that can only uh, presume was a nod to WCW's uh, Halloween Havoc. Ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah, where Big it. Show falls off the building or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that. Big <laughs> Show got murdered. He came back this week, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought the match was also pretty good as well. Uh, it, but you are probably right with talking cinematic on the scale of what they've kind of delivered so far. It probably is the weakest entry, but weirdly, possibly the most normal match as well. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Scott, what did you think? I don't think it's the worst thing they've done cinematic-wise. I think we're going to talk about why I think it's the worst later on. I know you guys are probably going to argue with me on that. I do think this is not one of the strongest, especially following Stadium Stampede just a few weeks ago, which is way up there with Boneyard and Funhouse. But I think the potential was there, and they just didn't fully realise it because I don't know what they really want it to be because I enjoyed the Gargano Champa thing they did a while back. I've seen a lot of people complain that they thought that match took itself too seriously. But I enjoyed it. But I think with this one, is they didn't know what, what what side of the fence they wanted it to be. I don't know if they really wanted it to be fully serious or fully comedic. They tried to have this weird middle ground, which just didn't work. Like, the thing with the Uber didn't make sense. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were going to... I wanted them to get in the back of the Uber, and then the Uber guy would, would drive away, and then you'd have a camera in the back of the car, then just squabbling, and then just fought one of the faults at the car. That would have made more sense. Oh, they just start fighting over the Orcs lead. Yeah. Like, instead of the title, they just leave the title behind. <laughs> and Velveteen Dream's like, no, but I wanted to listen to Prince. And Adam Cole's just like, no, we're not listening to Prince. And then they just start fighting back and forth, slapping each other around until the Uber driver ends up kicking them out. Oh, and Cole keeps rejecting Dream's uh, rideshare thing. Like. <laughs> hey. You have them fighting in the back, and you just have the Uber driver turn around, and you're like, "Hey, don't make me turn this car around." And then oh. she does, and drops them back off in the in the parking lot. That would have been so good. <laughs> I heard like reports was that when they filmed this, they'd already taped like some stuff 
I can't remember if it was NXT or whatever, but the trainees were at, that were in the cars had already been uh, the performance center in the crowd. And they said, come back around 7 p.m. and bring your cars for this. And apparently there was a downpour. So they didn't actually film this until like midnight. And like when they're fighting around the cars, you can tell it's been raining. And mm-hmm. you can tell people are clearly tired and maybe that played a factor into it. Maybe everyone was just like, like they've been waiting around for ages. Everyone just wanted to go home. I mean, I'll give it all the credit in the world. Taking a Canadian destroyer or a Panama Sunrise onto a stack of like chairs is never good at any time during any time of the day, I'm sure. So, I mean, the, the, there were a few like things that happened through it, like Dream showing up dressed as Negan. And oh, that. that was super, super cool. Um, also, with the word down the uh, the arm, like where it said "dream" on the one sleeve, just reminded me of Mister Fantastic. I think his name is Mister Fantastic. Uh, I don't know from Arrow. You guys watch Arrow at all? That's a terrific. Yeah, Mister Perfect. Yes, it was Mister Perfect. Uh, terrific. Terrific. Yeah, Mister Terrific. Him. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, I'm embarrassed. It's Mister Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so he comes out, spits his gum in the air, and hits it behind him. It reminds you so much of him that you forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was terrific, though. <laughs> Jimmy, I asked Scott this question the other day on a podcast that uh, will be going out, uh, or may even be out, which is the Greatest Royal Rumble watch-along. Uh, but for me, has Adam Cole's NXT title reign been kind of a sleeper hit for one of the best modern-day title reigns, like world title reigns? Because it doesn't feel like it's been over a year. I think, yeah, I agree. I agree because I feel like it's one of those things that now in retrospect, it looks really great. But like over the course of the months, it was just sort of like, oh, okay, of course, Adam Cole's champion and, you know, this and that. Because Adam Cole is like he has that like uh, early Kevin Owens main roster run sort of sheen to him still where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy should have a title pretty much all the time because he is very very good uh and it just sort of it you know uh to quote stewie it's it, it felt right brad it felt right um <laughs> and and it just it's it sort of felt like yeah this is where it should be and now in retrospect it does feel like a really big prominent great title run yeah i'd have to agree yeah, the point i was making with with nathan is that uh, there's always been stuff going on with Cole. Like, we compare it to other year-long reigns, like AJ's, for example. Like, that just dragged so much. Like, by, like, six months in, I was already done with it. And then they just kept going and kept going. I think they said, I don't know if this is true, but I think part of the reason was, right at the time we lost it, 2K19 was coming out and he was on the cover. So, like, it doesn't matter if he's a champion or he's AJ Styles. So, like, we already know why he's on the cover, because he's that big of a a star, but like AJ's out there, it's welcome too quickly. Whereas Cole's already about doing stuff because Undisputed Era is always at the top of the car, they're always doing stuff. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned it before too is that like NXT has pretty much been the Undisputed Era show for like the last two years, and I'm not necessarily against that, but it wasn't until a little more recently, like uh, the, the first episode back from in your house where you started seeing like carrying Cross is now like in the title hunt. And uh, Keith Lee was talking about wanting the, the NXT title and Gargano was moving on. Uh, Gargano was 
uh, finally away from Keith Lee and uh, Finn Balor wants to ch- uh, ch- uh, chase him for the title now. And uh, I think that it wasn't until really after In Your House we saw really like a changing of the guard a little bit. And now like Malcolm Bivens and his large Indian men are mm-hmm. like more prominent and I, I don't remember their names. I'm sorry. Like I've seen Malcolm Bivens and I love Malcolm Bivens. Stokely Hathaway is awesome. But like he has like AOP squared, like <laughs> has like larger Indian version of AOP at his side. And it's like, cool. Uh, just give me more Malcolm Bivens. Um, <laughs> um, and then like, of course you have like Imperium as the tag champs now. And I, it sort of feels like they're petering out a little bit uh, when it comes to like the Undisputed Era, because I could see Cross taking the belt off of off of uh, Adam Cole. Uh, I don't necessarily want it because I love Adam Cole, but like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It does sound I, like it seems like he's going to guard though. I feel like they, they tease multiple challenges on the same episode of NXT. I feel like they also tease Keith Lee going after the belt and. They were going to do like maybe some sort of like winner takes all the North American title versus the NXT title. I'd be all there for that because I remember a couple of years ago when Pete Dunne was the UK champion, he and Ricochet had a UK title v North American title. On. And because obviously Ricochet had just won the title from Cole and he was still involved in that, you knew they were, someone, it was going to be skipped ruined and they were going to have someone interfere. Whereas this, they can actually properly build like a proper, like, I think the first time that someone's been a dual champion in NXT. Also with two NXT titles, not like Paige when she had the main roster belt and NXT belt. Yeah, yeah. I think that actually now that you mention it, um, Dunn and Ricochet, that TV match that they had that ended in, I think it was a double DQ or a count out. Um, they, they never really went anywhere with that because they they were on the same team and they had that little stare down on top of the cage the one year for uh, War Games, I think it was. And mm-hmm. then I think it was the TV match and then they just never really sort of went anywhere like they just both split off sort of immediately and that's something i definitely would have liked to see go on for a few months mm-hmm. i think that would be really really cool because you say we've never had a, a dual champion nxt but also the other thing as great as adam cole's reign has has been and still is uh what's kind of left for him to do and maybe looking to become a dual champion could kind of add almost a bit of a story to the undisputed era because obviously the north american title was kind of Roderick Strong's title in the and, UE pecking order. And also Cole can know about how he's the greatest NXT champion and he also made a case to be the greatest North American champ because he was the first champion and like, and he can basically say like I, I made that belt that you're carrying to Keith Lee and Keith Lee's talking about how he feels like it's his time to step up to the NXT title. I think I'm convincing myself even more than what I'm talking about it here. <laughs> I think you could, yeah, you could have Keith Lee beat beat Cole somehow because the other thing is you don't want to you don't want to beat Karrion Cross too early if you are putting Karrion Cross up in like up into kind of the title picture you possibly just have to have him win because they're building this quite incredible thing with him and Scarlett like mm-hmm. you can you could already picture the Wrestlemania entrance I think I think uh the in your house set the only thing it fell short on was Karrion Cross's entrance I just think that their entrance without the wings behind Scarlet and stuff like that, there was like a couple things that ended up having to get missed out because the house was there, but it was the house. So, I mean, you know, all's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think like I enjoyed the Keith Lee. Yeah, sorry. I enjoyed the fact that Cross kind of just demolished Champa. I know there's seen some people who didn't like that. 
But like I think the way they're building them, like Keith Lee is somebody who could play a beat goal. I think if you had Karen Cross beat Keith Lee, don't have him like run through Keith Lee after a few minutes with Lee's champion. If you had Cross beat him very like decisively like, by submission, Ian simply yeah. make Cross a believable like main eventer. It depends yeah, how I... long Karen Cross is gonna stay in NXT because it's the perfect character. And uh, he's he looks like he's pretty damn good in the ring as well. I saw some of his impact stuff. Uh, also, and he's pretty he's pretty damn good. So you could I could almost see him being shot straight up to the main roster as well. That's always it's always a worry for NXT, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, like I I think what it did for Champa in that even though it, he only got beaten I think like seven minutes or something against Cross at um at, in your house. Uh, I think what it did was that it made him a believable opponent again because of all those matches with Gargano. I think it's almost the same thing with Gargano and Cole, too. When Cole and Gargano went an hour, like, of course you're going to need someone like Karrion Cross to knock them back off that pedestal and sort of make them a believable opponent. Because, like, even with uh, Dexter Loomis on, um, I believe it was last week's NXT, where Cole faced Dexter Loomis... Not for a second did I think that the guy who won the NXT title and defended it in a cage with weapons and wrestled for an hour. Like, it's harder to, like, suspend your disbelief when you're constantly seeing a guy wrestle for 45 minutes, an hour, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and you know, I think, like, AJ Styles ran into that in Ring of Honor, too, in, like, 2015. You have to sort of make them believable as opponents again, and I think that's what Karrion Cross's kind of job is right now. So I've seen a, a weird thing, so I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it was there, Road Dog t- asked about his opinions of Adam Cole, and he talked about everything that Cole has, like wrestling ability, like his character, the way he carries himself, and he basically implies that Cole, the only thing Cole is lacking is if he was just a few inches like taller, and like he said that if Adam Cole had everything he has now, but was also Karrion Cross's size, Adam Cole would be the universal champion right now. A hundred percent. Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think Adam Cole with the UE, like, you've got to keep the Undisputed Era uh, together a hundred percent. Roderick Strong, I think, maybe is the only exception to that. You could possibly have Roderick Strong go off and do his own thing. Um, but the core, kind of Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole, I think if they stay together, they can all get over the size issue because when they go up t- to the main roster, which I'm sure will happen one day, I think their size is going to be even more noticeable when mm-hmm. they kind of get into the ring with some of like just the average looking people on the main roster who are probably huge. Like Randy Orton would bloody dwarf Adam Cole. And we don't yeah. think of Randy Orton as a giant, but Randy Orton and Edge, right? We're going to talk about them when we get onto Backlash, but they're two huge dudes. <laughs> and like Adam Cole standing next to them, he's going to look like a midget. they prefer little person now Uh, sorry Hornswoggle as a group I remember when they did the whole celebration of Adam Cole's one year anniversary of winning the title Kyle O'Reilly was in it and I think it's the first time he's been seen in months because he's been isolating and he has a bit of a way to get over and you see one look at his beard and I looked like that is the beard of someone who's been stuck inside that is a (laughs) lockdown beard well, he's got, uh, he's got like diabetes or something or something like that, right? It's he has something mm-hmm. 
Uh, he no, he needs an insulin shot, and it's under his armband. He has one of those injection sites in under where his armband is on his arm, um, okay. or or something like that. So he's like immunocompromised. So that's why he hasn't been around. He has to like literally wait until a vaccine is made before he can start wrestling again. Oh, poor guy. Hopefully that comes soon. Hurry up, scientists. Well, not with, not with uh. Now with WWE, uh, with all their screenings and stuff and saying that masks aren't allowed and whatever, and then people end up getting COVID and that we're at the Performance Center on the 9th. We do Uh, have to say that WWE have denied that being true. So, yeah, they they can deny they can deny it all they want. But they also they also told us Jack Tunney was the president for fucking 15 years or something. (laughs) So. Yeah, Vince is probably like, masks aren't banned. We had Ray on Raw. <laughs> it's almost weird, like, they say, though, people who wear, like, wear masks. It's almost like they could get away around it by, you know, maybe dishing out those very shitty-looking WWE-themed masks that they're selling on <laughs> WWE Shop. But even though there's a cane one, I would not spend 24 fucking dollars on a cane mask for anybody because it can looks you, fucking stupid. Can you imagine with their PlayStation 1 fans in the crowd uh the, it just opens up on <laughs> raw or something and every single person is wearing a cane mask in the in the audience like a that full cane be, mask that would like, be an incredible entrance like entrance okay entrance idea it's wrestlemania the fiend has been in the storyline and what he does he comes out to make his full fiend entrance and during it uh, whoever his opponent is is standing in the ring and then every member of the crowd puts on a fiend mask that would be super cool the lights come up and whoever he's facing let's say it's adam cole turns around and all ninety thousand people are wearing fiend masks you can have that idea for free bro logistically that's a nightmare i would assume but just put them under the chairs and if they don't put them on you kick them out like oprah look under your seat (laughs) you get you get a mask you get a mask and you everybody gets a mask Oprah to host WrestleMania 37. Oh, please. God, that would be amazing. Do it in Chicago, somewhere where you can have, like, a thousand people. Do it in... Okay, here's my pitch for the next WrestleMania. In (laughs) Chicago, on Oprah's old talk show set, you just set up a studio, and you fill the audience where everybody gets a fiend mask, and they do a whole, like, NWA sort of styled uh, WrestleMania uh, like studio show and Oprah hosts it the entire time. She sits down with Kane to talk about his childhood trauma about being burned <laughs> for like a segment and a half. And Dr. Phil comes out and goes, no, how does that make you feel? Okay. And um, like, like I just now, now I just need that to happen. And of course it's not like the WrestleMania like entrances. It's just the Oprah talk show set with a ring off just to the side. The couch is still there. So like Adam Cole could be like, Oh my God, I love the undisputed ever so fucking much. Oh my God. Ah!" And whatever. And jump up and down and talk about how, you know, he just likes, he loves, he loves himself or whatever. I would love that. Let's do that. WWE. You can have all of that for free. Pull a Dana white and take our idea and use it and copyright it and then do it. And I just want to see it. I got to do a full Dana white and buy an Island. Well, that's John Oliver said to him, like what we just did there was like, you should just call Fight Island UFC, S-E-A, 
And <laughs> and then like a week later, somebody must have shown that to Dana White because he then copywrote it. And John Oliver was like, yeah, you guys can have this one for free. And he literally took it and copywrote it. <laughs> oh, Dana White. If UFC was actually popular, he would be seen as a much bigger piece of shit than he is. Well, no, that's the reason. That's one of the reasons uh, UFC is not as popular as it once was because everyone sees how big of a piece of shit he is. <laughs> oh, he wasn't at In Your House, though, was he? I was going to say, we really definitively covered In Your House, didn't we? Uh, well, I, I mean, because it's been covered, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. So, like, did anything else? What? Uh, okay, another match that's sort of dividing opinions is uh, Keith Lee versus uh, Gargano. Some people hated it. Some people sort of liked it. And then some people really, really loved it. Where do you guys fall on that? Uh, I think Gargano's got a real, like, I don't I don't know how I feel about majority of the match being finger-based offense. Like, unless it's Pete Dunne. Like, then that was a bit... I don't know. I just find it hard to kind of find Gargano believable against Keith Lee. But I did really enjoy the match. And I thought they did a, did a good job. And Gargano got beating the shit out of at times. But I just kind of found it hard when Gargano was kind of on offense for quite a lot of the time because Keith Lee is so huge. Uh, mm-hmm. But Otherwise, I thought, I thought it was good. I, I'm glad Keith Lee won. Uh, oh, yeah, I was surprised about that because I was, part of me was so certain Gargano was going to win. That's part of the reason why I mean you had to do that fucking greatest Royal Rumble thing in the first place. But <laughs> I, I like the because it's a different type of Gargano match than we're used to. And I think that's maybe one of the things that puts a lot of people off. Because it's very rare that you have a believable face that's much smaller in size to the, the face. And I think he had to use like the injury and like be Johnny Wrestling and work over like the body parts to get an advantage over Keith Lee. And like, he had the spot where he got sent into the crowd. I think that was amazing. And his gear as well. I wasn't sure what he was going to be, and actually even got I think a response from the guy who helps design some of this gear about what this was meant to really be. Because I thought it was like something out of like maybe the Taskmaster from. It was Marvel. Mandalorian, right? Well, I think some of it was maybe Star Wars, but uh, the guy probably said there wasn't a. He said we're doing this the Gargano way. There's no direct like influence. It's just how Johnny wanted it. So. You know, I don't know how much an answer that is, but like, I think he was gonna. I think there may be some Star Wars in there. The reason I said Taskmaster is because of the color scheme. And I know, like, when I got pushed back, but I know uh, Taskmaster may be the baddie in that film. So I, I, that's where I somehow saw the comparison. But I think it may have been kind of a more so Mandalorian, like you said, Jimmy. The fact that he was in the in the side of the house with a frame photo of Doc Hendricks and <laughs> he came through the door. <laughs> What did he? What did he change the temperature to? Didn't he change the temperature? Sixty-nine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It my my buddy and I, my buddy and I are watching it, and like we were both sort of like a like stunned from like the way that it cut from the uh, the promo package directly into him getting up because I had seen all those promos and I was like he was never in his gear in the house. What is it? Oh my god! This is the match. He's gonna walk out of the house set. Holy shit! Then he clicks it down to sixty-nine. My buddy and I just go, nice. And then he walked out, made me a Johnny Gargano fan all over again. I don't care if you keep stabbing people in the eye with your keys and breaking their hand and whatever, and your wife dyes her hair a dumb color or whatever. 
and you change the theme song. <laughs> I don't care. I'm totally back on Gargano's side because nice. Oh, that theme song is horrible. The new one? Yeah, it's not great. Oh, it's trash, isn't it? It's not uh, I did love the bit where Johnny Gargano was trying to get through the house and then they had like the security camera on the front of the house as if you had like home security. Yeah, he, they had a ring doorbell <laughs> on the yeah. door because it's modern, you see. Oh. Talk about the Doc Kendrick's photo, I actually, the random tangent, I remember on something to wrestle with, they had an episode about the first in your house and they talked about Doc Kendrick's coming in and Bruce Richards said how he basically warned Michael Hayes like, Vince is probably going to ask you to cut your hair. And, like, he was just so desperate to get in to be a part of the company that he said, I fine. And when he got there, Vince wanted him, like, on TV that as part of the taping that they were doing that day. And uh, they just so happened to have a hairdresser on standby to cut Doc Hendricks's hair. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen that picture of Doc Hendricks when he was managing the Hardy Boys? And he was like 40, so and he was younger than the Hardys are now. And he looks like he's about 70 years old. Yes, I do. I, re- I just remember that from watching it when it was airing and then like having gone back and like seen it more recently. It's like, how does he look 79 like it back in 1999 and then still pretty much looks the same now? Like, how does that happen? Oh, Some yeah, people... he definitely stopped getting ID, ID'd on, like, his third birthday. <laughs> I mean, some people are just bored with a face of a 40-year-old and just have to grunt it. <laughs> He's like Benjamin Button, but aging the right way still. <laughs> he ages both ways. It's like <laughs> it's like a weird genetic burning the candle at both ends sort of deal. <laughs> yeah, he's just a living metaphor. <laughs> he is. He's a living metaphor, and then like thirty seconds before he drops dead, he looks eighteen again, and then done. <laughs> but no uh, one will know it. No one will know it. I guess the only other thing from in your house that we've not really covered is the the main event, of course. Um, yeah, I was, I was surprised about this being the main event. I I wasn't so much. I kind of expected it to be the main event. Weirdly, I don't know why. I think just because it was Charlotte Flair. We all know yeah. Charlotte Flair's oh, like, yeah. she's totes the best, yo. She's the draw, man. She's putting those butts in the not seats. <laughs> I, uh, I think I could tell that Charlotte was going to lose as soon as they made the main event because, like, I know Charlotte's the heel, so I don't think they want to end this with her winning it. I didn't think it was, I thought it was too soon for Rhea to win it back. And I really think they didn't take advantage of having Charlotte in NXT like they should have. Because, like, the thing with me and Yem, they teased it one week, the next week they're having a match, Charlotte just wins. Then they have their match the following week with EO, then sets up the triple threat. Yeah. And they had a real opportunity with Charlotte as part of NXT, I think. That was, I defended, like, Charlotte going to NXT, like, I said, how that would made more sense than Becky winning against Shayna. Yet most people will defend the Becky thing than Charlotte. And. Yeah. And now Charlotte's just back on Raw with nothing really to do. And like, I'm not taking it away from Eo because like Eo probably should have won it ages ago. But now I think Rhea winning it back, if she is going to win it back, means less. I think if it's coming out, if it's not her winning it back from Charlotte, and if Charlotte doesn't like go back to NXT, at least lose to Eo in like some sort of rematch, then I think then 
So what the what was the whole point of it? Because Charlotte didn't even get pinned in the triple threat. I think the issue they had is they. You're right. They definitely should have used Charlotte more in NXT. Like they could have told some compelling stories. You kept talking about how uh, this is the most stacked division ever, uh, but she only ended up facing like three of them. Mm-hmm. Or, and but I think the problem they probably had is that the raw ratings just tanked during this pandemic, and they have no Becky. They can't like they can't bring John Cena in, or like Roman Reigns is obviously on SmackDown. He's not coming, uh, coming in either at the minute. So I suspect that's the problem. But then at the same time, they could have just had some NXT stuff bleed over into Raw rather than mm-hmm. always doing it the other way around. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, not like those people weren't going to be in the neighborhood, yeah. you know, whenever they were <laughs> yeah. filming Raw. Like, why not expose Shotzi Blackheart or, um, I, I don't know, uh, Chelsea Green and just a, a lot of the other female talent that's on NXT to a Raw audience, which even even in the lower ratings, it's still doing twice as good, at least as NXT does most of the time. Uh, yeah, so like, that was the weird thing it? was when they they made Charlotte and Chelsea like a team for like one week. That might have been quite cool. Like, why can't we have like Chelsea Green just follow Charlotte around? Like Chelsea Green could have started playing her more insane character that she played in like TNA or Impact. I don't know what it was called. Oh, uh, the hot there. mess. Yeah, she could have started doing that, been like a weird stalker, kind of like a Mickey James Trish Stratus thing. And then like right. what, all they did was they took the mess off of hot mess and they just made her hot girl number forty seven. Like, and being part of the Robert Stone brand and stuff. And, like, I don't know. My thing about the women's division is it's summed up simply as look at that fucking six-woman tag match at the beginning of this show. I thought that match was garbage. It started out fine, started out fine. Then all of a sudden they went for a tope and fucking forgot what to do. And the rest of the match was just like, I don't know. What do I think? Do I tag in? Why Raquel Gonzalez is in here? And da da da. They looked like they had no fucking clue what was going on after a few minutes. And maybe Charlotte got there and was just like, "Well, I'm not. It's not going to be believable if I wrestle Candice LeRae. She's like six inches tall. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit unfair. I thought the six the six women tag was pretty decent. I think Charlotte could have made anything believable like she's good enough to elevate these people i thought that was the whole point of her becoming nxt champion was to elevate Mm -hmm. like the division but really it was oh rhea ripley's back she's believable against charlotte uh so we're just gonna put her in this triple threat eo's believable against charlotte because she's that good in the ring that she can pull it off but she didn't really like mia yim looked decent in that match but then charlotte didn't do anything else so I, I think the raw ratings is probably like i would happily bet like one beer that the reason she dropped the title and has just gone back to raw is because of the ratings a couple more words i have about this, the thing with the women's division because i still think women's vision is like probably the best it's ever been in nxt i do think though candace versus charlotte would look a lot like when kenny omega wrestled that nine-year-old in japan just just based on size it doesn't do with ability like the one thing we am sad that we didn't like spent a couple of weeks on the Mia Yim thing. To be fair though, I don't think Mia Yim's that good. Like her match with Shayna was probably the weakest match Shayna's ever had in her early NXT run. I agree. And, yeah. 
and like I really hope they can still do it on like the main roster at some point. Like I'm really sad that while NXT champion, we didn't get to see Charlotte versus the best women's wrestler today, Tegan Knox. <laughs> Nothing, not, not just because she's she's a fan of Kane. She's also she's the best. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Santana Garrett, which is also no. a shame. <laughs> I thought both of you were going to say Zia Lee. Oh, can you imagine if they put Zia Lee in there and she just kicked Charlotte's nose off? How... She ends up she ends up like Michael Jackson in that episode of South Park where he doesn't have a nose. <laughs> He's like, shut up, you're ignorant. Stop it. How quickly, if Zia Lee, uh, which she only did once, so I'm being a bit unfair, but if Zia Lee was to kick Charlotte's nose off, how quickly would she be fired? I don't know. I'd, I... I remember one thing when I was, I think it was, I mentioned this on the Rumble show, but like, when Zaylee came out for the Women's Rumble, like one of my pals who earlier on had said we were being too harsh on somebody else we were taking the piss out of, immediately started throwing out all these jokes about her breaking people's noses. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I made a joke that she's going to start a new gimmick where she just wears this necklace that's made her basically the cartilage of people <laughs> whose noses she's broken. It is funny how things follow. Like, Zia Lee did that once to Aaliyah, like, about a year ago. And NXT, any time Aaliyah or Zia Lee appears, they mention it. And to be fair to Zia Lee, she's never done it to anyone else ever again. <laughs> like, at least on NXT TV. So it's such a weird thing that just stuck with her. Well, she well, works I- a, a totally different style than Aaliyah does. And Aaliyah has probably never been hit that hard before so who knows what the what the hell the problem was there yeah counterpoint to the whole thing though they mention every time they're on have either of them ever done anything that notable to to talk about other than the fact that one of them got their nose broken uh that's a fair point xia used to come to the ring with a literal fan because that was the only person that was the only fan paying attention to her damn it and Aaliyah. um no. The thing, the thing about Zaylee is she's very talented. But even when coming out in full sail, when we were still able to have public gatherings of more than just, I don't know, six women and a referee in a ring at a time, um, like they even full sail was just like, who the fuck is this chick? After like a year of her being there, so when you can't even get full sail to do to come up with some sort of chant and get you over a little bit, then something's up. Something's just up. She is good. Like she, she has she's very good. Decent matches. Like she's really good. And they could probably build her up if they started telling some stories. And that's sometimes the, the weakness is these, these wrestlers come out and it's the men as well. They come out, they have awesome matches, but they don't ever get any traction because there's no room for them to do anything. There's no time on TV and there's no takeover time. And things like that. And that's just, again, that just speaks to the depth that they've got, especially in the women's division. Like, well, it, is, it is stacked. Here's yeah. here's my suggestion of what they need to do. They need to put Zia Lee in with Akira Tozawa's ninja army. And <laughs> he, he needs to just come out of the entranceway with, like, 40 unused mid-card superstars all dressed as ninjas coming in on motorcycles and uh, Shotzi Blackheart can be there like on a tank on the other side of them and it could be like this big epic standoff before the Royal Rumble or something. I don't know, man, but I think there's traction in those ninjas. Uh, can we talk about Shotzi Blackheart before I forget and 
the uh, the vignette that she did on that week of NXT where she had the actual tank. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, and she just like drove it along and she was like, this is what I'm going to do to the women's division. And she like, ran over a car and she was like, oh, Candice, did I break your makeup? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was amazing. And she did that thing like, where she was like this is what I'm going to do to the women's division while she was driving a tank. And I thought, oh, she's going to, she's going to shoot the gun that she just mentioned but no she just started running over already crushed cars <laughs> and then there was a guy there actually driving the tank who was on camera for a bit <laughs> it was just amazing what a vignette that was incredible if you've not watched it go find it and wow Shotzi's the best because she drives tank she is the best she is the best of all of us um, so I guess that that'll be the long and short of it on uh, takeover in your house. Yeah, yeah, I'd happily rate it rented tank. Rented tank. You can drive a tank with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. How much? I'm gonna look that up. Uh, I'm not sure, but there's a series of YouTube videos where he's just like, "Come down." I'm not gonna do the voice. Be, you know, just come down and drive a tank, and then it's like shots of him rolling over like cars. And like beer cans and stuff. It's fantastic. And if you haven't entered to win it yet, you should. Um, so uh, real quickly, just uh, as we were talking about NXT, uh, I think last week's NXT uh, was really, really strong. I really liked last week's uh, Wednesday night shows uh, just specifically because they started focusing on uh, other like sort of other things. Finally, like it sort of felt a little bit bigger. Roderick Strong was my everything on this entire episode where uh, Dexter Loomis uh, is, like, this weird, like, like phantom that is now stalking Roderick Strong, who, in the middle of the ring, said the best thing I've ever heard a wrestler say during a promo. Everyone knows I hate getting locked in trunks. Everybody <laughs> knows. And then Bob Fish and Adam Cole look at him like, this is a conversation you've had with, how many times have you been, never mind, never mind. Don't worry about it. And then the first time, which I thought was brilliant, he goes, there he is, and he's not there. But then for a split second, they show him again, then he's not there, and then he's up towards the top of the ramp, and then he's in the window later, and he leaves the little doodle and all that other shit. Dexter Loomis is amazing. I see why people love it, and the fact that Roderick Strong was like so deathly afraid of him, the entire wouldn't even get in the ring. He missed his cue in the main event for the fucking boom thing because he was like shitting himself looking at Dexter Loomis. He was my everything. The whole episode. <laughs> the whole like strong season but then he's not there. This worked as well as Hogan hoped the warrior in the mirror spot would back in the 90s. <laughs> this is like if that spot went well this is what it would be. <laughs> oh what a pull. You're what? not wrong. Oh, we can stop the podcast there gentlemen. I think we're not going. We're not getting any better than that pole right there. <laughs> uh, what did you guys make of the former El Hijo del Fantasma? Oh, you mean uh, what is it? Uh, Santos San- Escobar. Santos Escobar. Did I say this to you yesterday, Nathan, or the day before, whatever it was, that this just screams of Triple H catching up on his quarantine Netflix watch list, and he had just gotten through (laughs) the first couple seasons of Narcos, and he was just, like, super into the name Escobar and, like, rocked up to the fucking meeting on Monday, and he was like, guys, who do we got that could be believable as an Escobar? 
And Who do we want that's believable as a cocaine <laughs> seller? <laughs> I mean, a lot of like, so you mean to tell me the guy who is attacked by these masked guys, it's like, oh, like the leader of the masked guys all along, like, <sighs> to get that out. Like, and then Rahul Mendoza and Joaquin Leo, who are also kidnapped, were secretly under a mask, but like, they kidnap yes, who was the original masked people? Oh, conspiracy. So are you saying that you're annoyed that uh, Phantasma didn't take off the mask and go, it was me, Drake? It was I mean, me that would have been I, I, do, I do have a bit more faith in him now that he doesn't have a mask. But he says it in Spanish. He... <laughs> yeah. And then Drake just goes, sorry, mate, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> you know, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about the, um, the bloody ice cream sandwich commercials. Oh. Or the Ico Pro commercial. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Ico Pro is probably the biggest return of 2020. I love your like like two week old nostalgia for for in your house. By the way, that just tickles me that you were like, oh my god, it's Todd Pettengill and all this other shit. Like I meant to make that joke earlier, but like it's just like you cover the in your houses and it's it's like um, listening to. Uh, Inside the ropes, where retro on retro, Sandra now all all of a sudden has like nostalgia for '96, even though they were just watching it like two years ago. And it's just like the the Todd Pettengill thing with the 900 number and not knowing that those things don't exist anymore ended me. Also, you had like they tried to do a callback to when Sean was doing that weird thing back in the '80s. We didn't know how the internet worked with him, Triple H, and Rodor, but like, and it just looked like how your granddad. It looks when he tries to send an email for the first time. The oh, computer okay. didn't have a mouse. They've got some. <laughs> they've got some serious beards going on, haven't they? I know. I mean, how old did Rodo look with that beard? He's... He looks like he should be blowing into a jug outside of a hut in like <laughs> North Dakota or something. <laughs> you know, like womp 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 womp. Billy Gunn's out there jigging. You know. Oh, God, I saw Billy Gunn actually has a match this week, doesn't he? Against MJF tonight, yeah. Uh, oh. The Shark versus the Minnow. Seems <laughs> we were talking about people that um, are unexpectedly massive. MJF is going to look t- teeny. Billy Gunn mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah, Billy Gunn is like a gazette. Like, he's like an Impala. He's so large. It's just like, <laughs> like not even the car. I'm talking about the actual animal, the Impala. Like, he's just gigantic. And he's like, what, 51, maybe, I think? Question mark? Um, I've never heard anyone see someone that's really tall and go, man, that person is the size of an impala. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's such a random animal to pick. They're, they're huge. <laughs> With their horns and stuff. Like, they're gigantic. And the fact you went not the car like we were gonna go. What he looks like a Chevrolet. Like if you took the car from Supernatural and laid Billy Gunn down the side, it'd be the length of the car. I think what just happened is Jimmy was looking out of his window and he was like, "Billy Gunn's like the size of a Impala, just watching a car drive past." <laughs> He's as big as a ice cream truck. Woo! <laughs> Uh, what did oh, we think yeah. of what do we think of FTR's uh, I think Scott we've already talked about it but what did we think of FTR's debut it was incredible 
It was. I, I mean, they fucked up the shatter machine a little bit because uh, the 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 butcher. I always get them confused. Is the butcher the one with the monocle? Uh, yeah, it was on the butcher, wasn't it? The yeah, blade is yeah. Ali's other half or whatever. Shit See, now blade. this just throws this just throws a wrench into the whole like QT Marshall and Ali storyline, which. When did she stop being a bunny? What the fuck is going on with that? Like, I that needs to be explained to me that all of a sudden she has a letter jacket. She's in the Nightmare family. What does the butcher, what does the blade think about all of this? Is he just sharpening? Every time I see Ali, I just remember that she got murdered on Impact and that's how they wrote her off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember how ballsy that was for a wrestling company to quite literally kill off a character. She appeared one more time, like, in, like, whatever, like, that world is that Sue Young goes into. Oh, uh, I can't remember now. Zombie Zone or whatever the fuck it is. Like, they, yeah. I remember she, like, briefly reappeared once, and then she was done. Yeah, then a contract ran out, so they just murdered. <laughs> they just left her dead. Yeah, they just left her dead. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought their debut was pretty good as well. Uh, I don't really get the Butcher and the Blade, but that wasn't the point, because it was all about FTR, wasn't it? And, uh... Yeah, they they look great. They look right at home in AEW being part of that tag division. The Young Bucks FTR stuff is is going to be fantastic. I think you got a good, a, quite a weird mix of styles in there. But the Young Bucks they can they can kind of grit it up when they need to, which they'll need to against FTR because you don't want them to start doing like comedy spots or more high flying stuff with the Young Bucks, do you? Because that's not there their shtick if they start doing that well the... i wanted i wanted to ask you guys uh like you, you know that sit down that they had with tony shivani the week before they mentioned like a few teams like the lucha brothers and um you know a couple of the other teams like in AEW and like specifically didn't mention wanting to wrestle the bucks um i think like there are like like, yeah, the Bucks and FTR has been something that we've been waiting for for years or whatever. But, like, I, I think them versus the Lucha Brothers might be, like, the better match. Yeah, I lo- I, I'm probably a little bit biased because I love uh, Ray Fenix or Phoenix, however you say it. And uh, so I think probably I'll be a little bit biased to say that that match probably would be better. But I think the Young Bucks, there's a built-in story there. So that would probably be the better story. And it, it's still going to be an amazing match, but you're not wrong saying that each bros could potentially be the better match. I think like, also they know that people are going to be expecting that match, so they want to get it done because they know like they're trying to do a program with someone else. They're going to be on Twitter. Like, when they're going to fight like the Young Bucks and all that, and like I have a feeling that we will, maybe if they lose to like the Young Bucks, they'll do like maybe a series of matches, like, and if like, they lose right before like she will start running again. Like other like companies, then if they'll go away for a while because they said they've got like a handshake deal, and like they mentioned teams in Impact, like the North and people in Japan that they want to wrestle, so they'll go away, do that, and then come back. So like the idea of FTR not just immediately saying we just AEW because even though there's like all these teams, like there's people in other companies that want to see them wrestle as well, and also it's quite like the Taliban should say just give up on John Spears and manage the revival or FTR. Oh yeah, what is going on with that? That has fallen to bits, isn't it? I know this is like my quarterly rant about Sean Spears. Well, he gave him the glove for reasons, and, <laughs> and we're supposed to. Power. 
Yeah, it's the, all of a sudden, like, the perfect 10 has now become the fingerless 5. Because um, it, it was only one glove, as far as I know. And then JR mentioned, which, can we talk, really, I know I mentioned this on the double, uh, I, whatever review it was back a couple of weeks ago or whatever. But, like, can we just move JR to, like, calling the big matches on the pay-per-views or something? Like, because it's just, like, he makes these, like, like, when he talked about the glove, he was like, well, a lot of people, a lot of people over the years have uh, used that. And then just leaves it hanging out there for Shivani and Excalibur to try and pick up. And it's like, thanks, JR. Thanks. Like, the one, the one good line I've heard from JR last few weeks is that they joke, he and Excalibur were joking about Trent, like, not having, like, the Beretta surname and how he, like, what happened to his surname. And JR joked that uh, Trent lost his surname in a poker game. Or something like that. That was that's something that kind of made me laugh. But other than that, yeah, there's not much that from GR I really liked the last few weeks. The one my favorite thing of AEW the last few weeks is Jericho getting his oversized bag of oranges to beat up Orange Cassidy with, which he was clearly going to explain. <laughs> did did it did it bother? Like, is it actually like? I remember I was watching AEW and watching Orange Cassidy bleed, and I was just like, oh, I don't like this. Don't do that to him. What the hell? Like, like this is not this is not what I was expecting at all. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong, but don't don't break the skin of the orange. He's gonna go bad. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, think I was Jared, actually very uncomfortable. I was like, don't do that, to Orange Cassidy. He's freshly squeezed. To ask us about AEW, they've got so much like good fun stuff going on every week. Does it kind of feel like? Moxley's title reigns being a bit overshadowed at times. I hate yeah. to try and put a negative on onto it because it is a it is a good show, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like he's that important. It's or like am I completely he, off base? It's like he just wanders into the arena, like he comes to the crowd, does his bit, and then just buggers off. And they say, "Oh, next week, Tom Moxley's doing this thing," and then you'll see him for that segment, and then he's just. And I know, like, you don't have the champion wrestling every week, but, like, I just don't think he's fully doing all, as much as he could be doing. Like, he shows up for the occasional promo. He had the brawl with Brian Cage and everything. But, like, I just, I don't know what I, what I see from Joe Marks, but I know I want to see more than what I'm getting right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to agree. Like, it's still great in Cage and uh, Moxley. I'm probably going to knock it out of the park. Oh yeah, it'll be a great match of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I'd be, I'd be completely stunned if Moxie doesn't win, which maybe makes me not so excited for the match because I think the end outcome is fairly predictable. But may, maybe I'm completely wrong. Who knows? I'm gonna have to watch it and find out, aren't I? Yeah, yeah and I mean, I don't. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, the thing is, at the moment, like I keep saying, I want MJF to fight. Moxley and like take the belt from because also cause it just feels like Moxley versus a big guy rinse repeat as I said a double or nothing and yet last week they seem to be teasing Cody versus MJF for the TNT belt and like the only real purpose of this would be just like well Cody lost the MJF last time so now Cody's going to win and like you know tie it up and now Cody's got his win back even though he doesn't need it and like it would just be like an example of like 50-50 booking if Cody just then beat MJF which is something that they complain about WWE doing, so I don't think they should be doing it because uh, 
Jeff doesn't really gain anything from like him to feed with Cody. But I think if you want to make him like a mainstay of the company, having the feud with Moxley will do a lot more for him. Because Cody can just feud with anybody at the moment. Cause, like He's having good matches like lower card guys. He's got a match with Hager at Fighter Fest. So like Cody, let Cody do his own thing, build up the TNT belt and keep him and Jeff away from each other. I think the thing uh, with with Moxley is that he's 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 good in the ring and everything. He's got a great character and stuff, but he's kind of dependent on the live crowd. Like he feeds, he's one of those acts that sort of just feeds off of that like crowd environment to like, because otherwise he seems to sort of like, oh, like this is the match and this is what we're doing during the match, and you know, without the crowd there to sort of like assist him in reacting to what they're reacting to it just it doesn't seem to work as well but the thing i need to really pull uh like a bit of a a bit of a bitch fit about is cody the way he accepted the challenge that jake hager never actually threw down like they just sort of (laughs) fought and then cody grabbed the microphone he goes what was that what was that, Hager? Did I hear you say something about Fighter Fest? And it's like, no, you didn't, because he didn't fucking say anything. He I think with it, being, with it being Jake Hager, a five-star wrestling uh, legend, huh? is, there is every chance he was meant to. <laughs> I think it was more of a situation where they were like, guys, we're going off the air in like 20 seconds. Somebody say something about Fighter Fest. Like, Do you reckon someone was poking? Because I always look, I think Jake, Jake Hager... It's, it's great in the ring, but sometimes you look at him and he's just got a bit of like a look about him where he doesn't necessarily know where he is yeah, a lot yeah. of the time. So there's every time that people probably poke him like, just say Fighter Fest, just say it, and he just never did. And Cody well, was that's, like, uh. <laughs> that's that's why he didn't come out with it written in poem form, so he had no idea what he was trying to do or anything. So he was just like, me me Hager me fight. And someone, someone should have just given him a pitch for the Fighter Fest logo. And he should have just walked up to Cody and be like, "Ugh," and just handed it to him. I don't think it's just in any W that he doesn't always think. Because I, I was listening to a Tokyo Jericho the other day. It had like the entire inner circle on it, and they were just talking about like stadium stampede. And like at least twice on the show, uh, he got muted his mic when he wasn't talking, like because apparently the like his kids were on around around, and he's. He kept forgetting to put the mic back on when he was going to talk. So at least twice you hear Jericho go, occasionally you hear Jericho go, Jake, you still got your mic muted. <laughs> there is, there are like. What show that show is, by the way? Can I just say. Oh, I was literally time? about to rag on it as well. Oh, please, go, go right ahead. I'll just back you up. Go right ahead. I was literally about to say there are three guarantees in life death, death taxes, and if anything happens in the world of wrestling, this Wednesday on Talk is Jericho. <laughs> I've got this person and they're going to tell us why they didn't enjoy their time in WWE. <laughs> it's just like, or it'll be like, oh, stadium stampede, stampedes this Sunday, enjoy it. And then find out exactly how the sausage is made when I have every person from it on my podcast. And it's like, <laughs> no matter what happens, they always end up on it. And it is a shit show. Like, uh, we, we're not necessarily the best edited piece of audio in the world, but at least me and scott try mm-hmm. like put some fucking effort in chris yeah for real like i mean when i edited the uh free version of my sit down interview with shane fair now available on the rogue opinions feed and on patreon.com forward slash pro wrestling magic 
Uh, see, that's how you do that, Scott. Um, when <laughs> see Scott, and it's fine when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> it literally took me like I don't know two like maybe two hours to like make sure everything sounded the same and the music was added in and like I didn't play any audio off of my fucking phone. I know it happened like a year ago, but I'm still. You make so many stupid dollars. How? How do you not just have a dude on a board 20 feet from you? Or, like, how do you not have a board of your own that you've learned to use? You've managed to snake by in professional wrestling for the last, I don't know, (laughs) five years. Gradually getting more drunk and belligerent as you go on. Jesus. I I agree with what Nate said. Like, we do try try to put a law effort in a video that I edit. Unless it's, say, a punishment podcast, in which case if there's noise outside, I just fucking leave it in. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a punishment, and I couldn't care less. Oh, that's the best bit about a watch-along, is you can't edit it, or people mm. will lose the time. So you're like, meh, it's all staying in. I'm all staying in. <laughs> so, guys, I hope you know what time it is. Uh, it's like 7.45. It's oh. time to play a game! Well, at least it's not my time, Scott. Time to play the oh, game! God, God. Oh, guys, are you ready to play America's new favorite game show? It's time to play McMahon or Trump. Oh. 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 Yes! In front of me, ladies and gentlemen, I have a list of quotes. Some of them are from Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And some of them are from the 45th president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. Oh, but a lot so, of people are a lot of people are saying he's the best president ever happened. China <laughs> knows, Russia knows, everybody knows. So guys, there's, there's a few each to go. Scott, are you ready? I'm going to start with you. I am so ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> what I admire most are people who put themselves directly on the line. Was that McMahon or Trump? Oh, I'd say McMahon. I think it sounds up more like a McMahon thing. Show me McMahon. I'm sorry, it was the 45th oh. president of the United States, Donald Trump. I mean, they're basically the same person, you know. <laughs> Jimmy. Yes. I guess maybe another gift I have is a great work ethic. Was that McMahon or Trump? So before I answer, I have to just say that I am hearing all of these in Trump voice now. So this is making it very difficult. So I'm just going to say Trump. Show me Trump. I'm sorry. That was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Jesus. Scott, over to you. See, these two, so tricky to (laughs) pick apart. (laughs) I I think that the... Sorry, go on. I mean, Rum DMC really broke this down years ago for us. It was very tricky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt okay. so white in that. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish lad from the hood. <laughs> Listening to his Rum DMC. You don't know my struggles, man. <laughs> he's very, he's very into the hip hop community. He loves uh, ASAP Rocky and uh, Tupac Shacker. 
I know, I know that he's a big fan. <laughs> so there's a good reason that no rappers have ever came from Scotland. Scott, I am going to read this one as it is written. Okay. Which tells you the state of the grammar. I think that the internet, and I do love the free flow of ideas on the net, that's in quotes, is like the Wild West of the information world. Is that Vincent Kennedy McMahon or Donald Cool Guy Trump? That's got to be a Trump thing. I mean, he's not known for his grammar. Show me Trump. I'm sorry, Scott. That is Vincent Kennedy Fuck. McMahon. Yeah, we're back a thousand here. <sighs> Jimmy, get in, get it done, get it done right, and get out. Tell your secretary. Is that that's a hundred percent? That's Trump. Show me Trump. Way <laughs> hey, well done, Jimmy. <laughs> that was... I've I've seen that screenshot so many oh, times the, of that tweet. <laughs> you don't understand, dude. He's fucking everywhere over here. Like you can't escape him. Like it's everything he's wanted since 1981. <laughs> Scott, when a man leaves a woman, especially when it was perceived that he is left for a piece of ass, a good one. There are 50% of the population who will love the woman who was left. Is that Vincent Kennedy McMahon or Donald Trump? I'll take a get risk of saying with McMahon for like when he left Linda for Trish and Storyline or something like that. Show me McMahon. I'm sorry, Scott. That, I was, that was the 45th president of the United Wait, States of America. Trump knows how to spell perceives? I don't think he wrote this down. I, I think he may have just said it out loud. You said when a man leaves a woman, like, is it Michael Bolton? When a man leaves a woman, especially when it was perceived as a good piece of ass. And you grab him by the pussy. <laughs> Jimmy. Yes. I would dare say that most anyone in public life, if they stay in public long enough, is not treated fairly. Is that Vince McMahon or Donald Trump? See, this this is a tough one. I can almost hear the who wants to be a millionaire like. I'm going to say McMahon. Show me McMahon. You are correct, Jimmy. Well done. I mean, I'm. If I get if I get absolutely zero for this, I'm just gonna claim that Jimmy's American, so he sees more of Trump than I do. <laughs> Dude, I'm just inundated with it, and for any Trump supporters, inundated means a lot of things are piled on top of me, and I get nothing but him in my feed. <laughs> um, and for non-Trump fans, remember how dumb they are. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, lo- last round. Here we go. Okay. It's amazing. I can't even believe it. I've been so lucky in terms of that whole world. It is a dangerous world out there. It's like Vietnam, sort of. It is my personal Vietnam. <laughs> I feel like a great and very brave soldier. That's garbage, Trump. Come on. Show me, Trump. That is. Well done. Oh. Well done. Would you like to know the context behind that absolute piece of gold? 
I won't know the context behind all of them, but yeah, go ahead. He was speaking about having sex and referring to women's genitals as potential landmines in an interview in 1997. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'd, I'd, call, I'd call any woman who's had to add had to had sex with Donald Trump as being a brave soldier. I mean, you're 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 very brave. So brave, absolutely the most brave. Everybody says it. Jimmy, your final one. I'm a guy who gets more out of life than some people. More out of one big breath of fresh air than most people get from breathing in and out for a lifetime. Is that Ooh. Vincent Mann or Donald Trump? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Trump. Show me Trump. I'm sorry, Jimmy. That was Vincent mm-hmm. Kennedy McMahon. That was my first inkling, but I couldn't. I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta think this is Trump. So well done, Jimmy. You have won two points to one, as these two proved very difficult to pick apart from their written word. But thank you very much, guys, for playing McMahon or Trump. And there's like the the end, the end of like all those old 70s game shows where all the contestants are standing in the center stage and like the camera just like jerks back. Like instead of doing like a calm, smooth pan back, it just whoosh. (laughs) Uh, So, guys, would you like to know what the first quote is when I looked up Vince McMahon quotes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have balls the size of grapefruits, and come this Sunday, you'll be spitting out the seeds. Lovely. <laughs> That's the first thing that came up. Lovely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he also said that to Linda on her wedding night. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's married. She doesn't spit. She That's how it works. Swallows. Yeah, she's a swallower. Spitters oh, are quitters. But... Speaking of spitting and swallowing, um... This, literally, this ties in. There's a story I heard today about a woman named Ginny Fuchs, or Ginny Fucks, um, as will become more uh, apparent here. Um, she test. She's a fighter, I think. In the in like, she's an Olympic fighter, but she got disqualified a few years ago because she tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. She uh, appealed it. She started an investigation, um, and she admitted to. Uh, yeah, you've heard. Have you heard this? <laughs> I've just read the headline. <laughs> to possibly getting this injection of extra testosterone through intimate means. Oh God! So, Miss Jenny Fuchs, Jenny Fox, more like Jenny Swallows, uh, decided to get a load popped into her mouth. <laughs> She didn't spit it back out before a drug test, and it tested positive for testosterone. And she couldn't, she couldn't do the thing she's been training her whole life to do for months. Holy shit! Can you actually imagine? So, I, I'm, I'm sorry. How many, how many? How juiced up is the guy she was blowing? I don't know. How, how do I know what this fucker looks like? I'm about to. I was just gonna say, and I'm very sorry, Jasmine, my girlfriend. She, I doubt she's listening to this one because it's about wrestling. But if she is, this is purely okay. hypothetical. But if some girl came up to me and said, "Your load got me, got me to fail a drug test," I'm high fiving people on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that is a medal of honor. You have done such a great job. That you have 
messed with their testosterone levels to such a degree that they can't compete at the Olympics. Dude, I would play st- st- <laughs> William Regal's team. He's a man. <laughs> I mean, I'd have that on a plaque and put it up on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Drug, I'd have the drug test framed and just <laughs> up on my When she tells you, you just ask a stranger to take a picture of you both so that you can have it framed with the little plaque underneath with Ruin Terror Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> you said like, your girlfriend probably isn't listening to this. I don't think after that lib discussion on masturbators, any woman's going to listen to one of our podcasts again. I'm pretty sure they don't. But if you do, let us know at Ben underscore E-B-E-R-T. Let us know if you've ever failed a drug test because of your man's load. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Like, you go to take a piss for a drug test, and it comes up with, like, nine different things. Like, how fucking juiced out of his like are we talking macho man randy savage and spider-man levels of being juiced like you gotta think that oh my god that is the funniest fucking thing i mean it's very sad that she lost some time in a thing that she's been dedicating her life to and stuff but you know spit it into the garbage honey like nice spitters are quitters well it's 2020 and if you know you have a drug test coming up no foreign substances should be entering your body <laughs> sorry i've got a drug test tomorrow do you mind if i spit <laughs> yeah. i mean okay so talk about randy savage i mean miss elizabeth went from randy savage to like ligger that poor woman how much testosterone do you think was secretly inside her jesus <laughs> oh she she didn't get a boob job in 99 that was just extra like chemicals that were pumped into her body was she a fucking camel? <laughs> like, she just well, I mean, never mind. I was gonna make a floating in the pool joke, but uh, let's move on. Uh, you yeah. know what? You know what? Hang on, I can I can segue this. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, after that conversation, we're gonna get a hell of a lot of backlash. Oh, oh. look at you, ever I mean, the professional. Speaking of backlash, the greatest wrestling match in history took place on. Uh, Monday Night Raw. <laughs> forget about Backlash. Forget about the greatest match ever. Because we saw the greatest music video ever. From MC, MIZ and Johnny Drip Drip. The Universal Champ has got to go. I have not stopped listening to that since Sunday. Can we, can we just... For, from now on, you're no longer the joke sniper. You're like our senior streets correspondent. The way MC... <laughs> MCMIZ and Johnny Drip Drip. Did you guys see Joe Hendry's response? Oh, oh, he did the Dolly. Did he do the Dolly Parton thing? That one. Hendry, 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 Hendry. Don't steal my gimmick because you can. It's so good. It's so so good. Why is he not working at somewhere bigger? Huh? Oh, is he in Ring of Honor? Okay. My bad. Sorry, Joe. Keep I mean, doing what you're doing. He's been <laughs> passing time by making music videos about Carol Baskins and fucking McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. He's but Backlash happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing from this response that uh, we don't remember a lot of what happened. 
I didn't see the pre-show match or the women's tag match. That was a pre-show match? Uh, Andrade versus Apollo for the U.S. title. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Was it good? Uh, Scott? I, I, don't, I don't know. It was okay. It was, it was decent. It's not that I don't remember a lot from that. I do. I just, I was so desperate to talk about that music video because I listened then back after it to the original one, the Hey Hey Ho Ho one, and it's this newest one just trumps it like by a thousand percent. <laughs> just like <laughs> either the guitars appear, and I assume what it might be something to do with Bill and Ted. I don't know. I just assume that because the recent Bill and Ted trailer came out. And then oh, did they watched, get abducted at the end? Oh, sorry, I wanted to talk about Bill and Ted, but sorry, I didn't even hear what Jimmy said. <laughs> oh, I said, don't they get like Ms. Morrison? Don't they get like abducted by aliens at the end of the video or something? <laughs> they disappear, but it's just the I like the that they're working out in the gym with a big picture of Braun Strowman on the mirror and the weird thrust that Johnny John Morrison is doing while he's working out. Were you about to call him Johnny Drip Drip? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's become so cool lately. He's so ingratiated with the hip hop community. I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore at this point. <laughs> Our senior seniorhood correspondent. Oh, so, I mean, if you ever, ever see me, I am the whitest person you'll ever meet. Not just in terms of being uncool, but literally, I am very white. Like, I don't tan whatsoever. Well, you guys only get sun in Scotland like 40 days out of the year or something, right? At most, like, I I don't even, I just go a different shade of white. And then if I'm outside a bit longer, I go red. Yeah, it's like 30 days of night over there. <laughs> oh my god, and a, wow. All the references today, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you get for free. <laughs> you get all of this quality for free, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot but, be stopped. But backlash happened. Yeah, so backlash. And, uh, they didn't have the big claws from that one. Uh, the set looked pretty boring, to be honest. But the show was also pretty boring. What were you expecting from the set? Like they're in the performance center. They haven't. They can't exactly get like a big set. They put a house there. Why can't they do and? that? Those claws were like two stories tall. Yeah, you can just make them smaller. Just tiny little claws. Da claw. Yeah. Exactly. That's all we needed. But uh, I mean, there's not there's there's not a lot to write her about from this. I think Bobby Lashley v Drew McIntyre was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Jeff Hardy and uh, Sheamus. Oh, uh, just get that. Really? Like, I remember when Cesaro and Jeff Hardy had a match on Money in the Bank. They kick off very randomly. Honestly, I, I wish I was watching that match because Jeff looks so off to the point I was watching this with my brother and he turned to me at one point like, is Jeff drunk in this match? Because <laughs> this looks so off. I mean, the finishing spot was the run off the, the barricade and they into the road kick and then the road kick spot. I really enjoyed that. And I, I joked to a friend earlier that the colour scheme of Extreme Rules looks so much like the Jeff Hardy like, Extreme Colours that you know is going to continue. And I joked that knowing the way they've moved this feud, it's going to be like a prescription bottle on a pole match or something like that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Damn! I mean, it's quite a, it's a controversial storyline, but they're going for the controversy, aren't they? And I think they're, they're kind of nailing that part of it. The match, 
I don't think the match was great. I think the trouble is you've got two people that haven't wrestled a whole a whole lot lately. Like Sheamus hasn't exactly wrestled much in like the last year. Jeff Hardy hasn't wrestled much in the last year. So, but yeah, it was a bit rough. I actually think Sheamus winning is quite interesting because mm-hmm. the feud's well, got to continue. Otherwise, Jeff Hardy is done. I mean, well, you got piss thrown on him in the go home. I mean. It's like Bulldog getting rock bottomed in a dog shit right before he fights the rock. Like, his credibility went immediately down, so you have to have the guy who's got pissed on and win. Pretty much. And I think Braun... Also, I think you could also build up Sheamus to face Braun at this point as well and come back to the Jeff Hardy thing at another time. I mean, well, Bray is coming back on SmackDown this week, so... Oh, is he? Okay, so Bray's well, it's Braun. The thing, the thing is... Is that like it got pointed out like in some wrestling groups that I'm in and stuff that like Seamus never said that he framed Jeff Hardy. He never said the words I did it. He's just been like on him for being a former like drug addict and uh, alcoholic and whatever. Um, so maybe the person with the red hair and the red beard that somebody saw run over Elias during the Intercontinental title tournament was Sami Zayn. Oh, maybe. But shouldn't he be busy focusing on the fact that he's still technically Intercontinental Champion? Maybe that's why he ran Elias over. <gasps> and then he panicked and he set up Jeff Hardy. But you know who lives around here? Jeff Hardy, even though he lives nowhere near here. Like, you know who Sammy Zay said? I'm thinking, who's the biggest threat to taking my Intercontinental Championship? Elias. Not AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan or Jeff Hardy. Um, definitely Elias. Elias performed with four of himself at WrestleMania. That man is capable of anything, including magic. <laughs> he, you're right. Oh my god, how how have I been so blind? That's what I'm saying, he, dude. There's four Eliases. <laughs> they teleported into the Money in the Bank match, and then just suddenly disappeared within the next cut. So he. Clipboard teleportation as well. That's that's what I'm saying. To take he took out the strongest threat to his intercontinental championship. He was trying to muddy the waters of the intercontinental title uh, tournament. And who cares that one of the best wrestlers of all time is now the intercontinental champion? It's not Elias. The man is a wizard. You're so right. Yes, you're you're bang on. I think the right person. Uh, did it, and it's Sami Zayn. And you know what? His reasonings are correct. <laughs> um, I have nothing nice to say about the the next match, so I'm going to abstain. What was the next match? Oscar versus Nia Jax. Oh yeah, fuck this match. Because I, okay, I, 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 I have a lot of good things to say about it. Oh, do you now? Yeah. I, I would have good good things to say about it if it. I've been allowed to go a bit longer because I thought just as it was going to get into its groove, they fucking did the double kick out spot, which I was even sure at the time if it was meant to happen. I thought Astro was meant to get back in the ring like just before 10 or whatever. Cause, and then they did the whole weird thing on Raw with the fast count because John Cohen is now in a feud with Nia Jax. Yeah. Nicholas Return confirmed. Pretty much. My, um, for, for a long time, I 
I've heard Jimmy rant about Nia Jax and I've sat here and said that he's been too harsh at times defended Nia Jax but you know what Jimmy I'm I'm done with her That's I don't think I can watch another Nia Jax pay-per-view match that's what I'm saying, dude. I that think I'm, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm sorry, Naya. I I'm feel such <laughs> vindication uh, in the fact that everybody is seeing. And I've heard some people, you know who you are. You've said it that, oh, well, she hasn't been the same since she came back from double knee surgery. No, she's worse than she ever was. And when she was back before, she was also garbage. <laughs> she's worse she, than she was probably because of the double knee surgery <laughs> and and she was injuring people back then too so let's yeah. stop giving Nia Jax uh, title matches let's get her you know to some wrestling classes let's let her fucking figure out this thing that she's getting paid a lot of money to do and let's then spit her back out in six to nine months when she knows what the fuck she's doing because this it, it was garbage. It was just garbage. And she's garbage, and I feel bad for Asuka. Yeah. I think when you watch someone who can't even... Like, when you're on pay-per-view with Asuka, and you've got a decent chunk of time, and you're still watching it going, this is bad. Like, you can't... You can't blame Asuka for that, unfortunately. It's not like... Yeah, it's not someone who's not motivated a lot of the time. Asuka always seems to go out there and give a hundred percent like and you when you're watching it and going this still isn't great you you've got to look at the other person and go what are you doing like scott i don't know what you thought of it but i think i can't really say much more than the whole thing like both on raw and here they just like they had an opportunity to do something good and like at least Asuka got out of it relatively unscathed yeah, no, I don't know. I, I'm presuming she's going to go into a feud with Charlotte Flair, which unfortunately for Asuka is probably only leading one way. But mm-hmm. um, but it's at least the matches are going to be good. Like that's that's one thing, and I think Nia. Yeah, you're probably right. She probably needs to just focus on the fact she is a, she is the monster of the women's division, and she is throwing around people who are a lot smaller than her in height and. Uh, in weight as well so um i don't know it's just it was, it was bad the way she hurt Kyrie sane is like she threw her head first into the corner to where the 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 ring steps meet the corner of the ring that she threw her at a open space that is 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 sharp like what is fucking wrong with you like I, I just have zero sympathy for her. She shattered fucking um, Becky Lynch's face. And I know that Becky was cool with it because they worked it into, like, Nia cutting promos on her and whatever. And I'm sure she's a lovely, lovely person to be around. Uh, yeah, Nia sucks. Uh, on to other stuff on Backlash. Obviously, we had the greatest segment of all time, which was the Street Profits and the Viking... Uh, Viking, what the Viking experience? So no, the Viking, the Viking Raiders. Viking now. Raiders. Team. <laughs> she can remember which one they are now. Or sorry, the Viking Prophets. They even got a logo. Uh, this was without a doubt 
forget your funhouse, forget your boneyard, forget your stadium stampede. This was it. This was the pinnacle. This was the top of the mountain, ladies and gentlemen. This was everything. If you wanted to see windows getting smashed and people arguing about why they went through them and all of that shindig and they think they're enemies, but they are not because the real enemy turns up and it's, oh God, America, it's the fucking Japanese are back. <laughs> we need you to fought. unite. We need we need to unite again, ladies and gentlemen. You Whether the you're killer, here, was it? What was it on the other? The killer hornets, the killer wasps, the murder hornets, murder hornets. You thought the murder hornets was the pinnacle of revenge? No, Akira Tozawa is noted raw jobber. Akira Tozawa, the head of a of a ninja syndicate who ride motor they weren't just ninjas nathan and scott they were motorcycle ninjas oh if he doesn't create a stable now called the murder hornets i'm gonna be pissed so pissed off it's it's right there this was i thought this was hilarious scott not so much from what i understand oh fuck maybe part of this is to do the fact that it was fucking already what nearly two in the morning uh, when I was watching it, I was waiting to see Edge Oil, which I knew was going to go a long time. And I've not enjoyed the Viking annoyance, as Jimmy calls them, and I've started calling them now, like for a, a long time. Like, because one week they're doing carpool karaoke with no explanation. Then they start this whole anything you can do, I can do better thing, which gets progressively worse as the weeks go on. And they do, oh, how do we settle this tie? Here's an idea. You've got tie titles. You want the tie titles? Have a fucking wrestling match. How about that? It's not a novel idea. And then, like, they have this brawl before the match. And then, like, one of the Street Profits gets hit in the balls with the slowest moving bowling ball you've ever seen. The whole Ivar reminiscing on stuff that's happened in this this feud. They did. They went to that three times. <laughs> three fucking times. The one. The one time I did laugh is when. You had the giant ninja up here because one thing that jumped in my head and like I'm sure all three of you who probably know this will love this reference. If you've ever seen the uh, I believe Game of Death, it's called the Bruce Lee film. Yes, where, where, Bruce, where Bruce Lee is going up all the different floors to fight a different ninja master, and at the top he's confronted by Kareem Abdul Jabbar, who kicks him so hard in the chest he leaves a footprint. Oh, he said that's immediately what screamed when I saw this guy. And then they end up in a garbage can. Again, they do for the third time they do that whole Ivar reminisces thing. And then they do the thing with the female rest in their matches next. And then they don't have a match. And then there's something in the dumpster. It was the alligator from the golf, dude. Yeah. Well I didn't fucking watch the golf because all the things before that were shit. Yeah. And I thought that was shit. Because this proves not everything that you do cinematic wise can be good because the Velveteen Dream thing may have been bad because they didn't exactly know where they wanted to go with it. This was just, oh, people like weirdness in their cinematic with, so let's just throw a bunch of shit. Look, there's ninjas for reasons. Remember those shit contests? Well, now they've got bowling balls again and swords. Like, fuck off. It's two in the morning. I want to go to bed. This was the right amount of random for me, at least, especially after still trying to cool down after the Raw women's title match. Um, And just, like, 
Braun and that pile of crap match that they had there, stealing Joe Hendry's gimmick, and just I was I was in a tivy, just a tivy. I was just I was miffed, gentlemen. I was very miffed. And then this whole thing started, and I was like, "Oh He's great, not, not miffed." Yeah, I was I was I was quite perturbed. Is really. Were you getting ready to write a letter to your local governor? Or I have quite the poison pen, Nathan. <laughs> I have quite the poison pen. Um, were, you ready to, were you ready to go full Karen? Oh, I had I had the bob cut going, <laughs> and like the like the I tried way too hard on this outfit, but like I'm trying to pretend like I just threw this old thing on, on, and like I was getting ready to sit down and start clickety clacking on my keyboard, on Twitter, and then all of a sudden, the Vi- the Viking Raiders, uh, the Viking, whatever the fuck they are, and the Street Profits thing starts, and I'm like, oh, what's this? I don't really like the Viking Raiders, but I'll see what the fuck they're doing here on the pay-per-view. And then it got better, and then it got better, and then one of my roommates who doesn't watch wrestling was in the room for portions of the pay-per-view, on and off, and, uh, you know, he was sort of just going like, you know, just that random sort of like, you're watching a pay-per-view and, you know, someone who doesn't watch wrestling is kind of shitting on it or whatever a little bit. And I could put up with that or whatever. It's fine. But then the ninjas showed up and my roommate happened to walk through the room and I said, uh, I no longer consider your criticisms of this art form valid. Wrestling has motorcycle ninjas. End of story. He agreed in the room. And then for some reason... Akira Tozawa couldn't stop shaking his fingers. And then a giant, uh, I think he's the Nigerian guy from the PC. He shows up. And my question to you guys off air, which I will again ask on air, why not just start with your giant ninja? He's a giant. You never want to play your trump card. Your trump card is only there when you need to trump people. So that's that's when you play it. So you keep the best card you've got. That's like when people watch uh, movies about like people with superpowers, and then magically the superpowered person has a, this incredible power that wins them the fight just when it looks like they're going to lose. That's what Akira Tozawa was doing. You never go full giant ninja right yeah. off the bat. <laughs> never go full retard, Jimmy. Well, then I've been doing this podcast wrong for over a year. <laughs> but no, I I was thoroughly entertained by this. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. Maybe some people would argue they you do. I would also rather see the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders just have a full on match. But it, it's the screams of MVP v Matt Hardy. Well, MVP is one of the agents for this uh, well, this storyline. Well, he he had a good idea. Yeah, and, let's uh, just do the thing I did 13 years ago. Yeah, so if they get a Vander Holyfield to knock out both the Street Profits at some point, then well, then we no, let's it's... let them have let's let them knock out Eric and Ivar because I would not rather see them have a wrestling match because <laughs> I like I like the Street Profits. And I don't want that to be tarnished by watching them have another match with the Viking annoyance. Like, I know, like I've been on this podcast, like defending how much I love the Boneyard and the Funhouse and even Stadium Stampede. I think I just reached my limit. Like this, 
I don't know why I didn't like it. Maybe it's just because I hit this feud I've, I've hated. I just want them to have a match. They'd go on their separate ways. The Viking Women's can go away and Street Profits can do something entertaining because, to be honest with you, I don't like the Viking Raiders. I still like the Street Profits, but my enthusiasm for them is going down and down. Like, unless they can have a good food, then like, I may sour on the fucking Street Profits because like, I remember going into this thing and like, all right, over the next like five or so years, the Street Profits are going to be the tag team in WWE. And the first major thing they do is, oh, do I do this weird best of with the Viking Raiders? We play golf. Like, remember, because this, <laughs> this was a good idea in 2007, so why would it not be a good idea in 2020? Yeah, it, it is weird, because the Street Profits have such an outs, uh, an upside, sorry. Like, even Angelo Dawkins, I know some people say, like, oh, he's not as good. Like, Montez Ford, clearly, he he's a bit of a rough diamond at the minute. Like, he's got the charisma and the enthusiasm of anyone who's ever walked through the doors at that place. Like he can go in the ring, he can do, he can probably do anything. Like we've not seen him play heel, I guess. Like we don't know if he can do that, but he's kind of got everything. Angelo Dawkins, maybe he's got a slightly lower ceiling, but he's still pretty good, and he can cut a promo and he can do all that. The Viking Raiders are a little bit boring, but we got to see a match at some point. But I think the the only other thing is they just don't have a lot of other tag teams. Yeah, uh, so the thing with the Street Profits is like, yeah, I see a lot of criticism with Angelo Dawkins because, like, compared to Montez Ford, maybe he's not as charismatic. But like, something that FTR brought up is they didn't like want to do a breakup, at least not for a long time, because like they hate hearing people say that this guy's going to be the Marty of the team because they think it's like disrespectful. And like, to an extent, I can see what they mean because like, people are so quick to say, oh, when these two break up, that's going to be the breaker. That's going to be the guy who goes on to be a a world champion, like, why Why are we already, like, booking far ahead and booking people's breaking up? Like, let them have a good run as a team. Let them do stuff together. And, like, Kofi Kingston didn't have to break up with the New Day to be WWE champion. Like, let people be a team for a good long time. Like, the, the Young Bucks were forced to break up in TNA and then got back together as soon as they left. And, and I haven't seen anybody begging for the Young Bucks to break up or why didn't they go off in a main event run? Yeah, I think the problem is what it comes down to in that sense is it's one of the weaknesses of the WWE, which is when it comes to tag team wrestling, is they generally put tag teams together. Like, there are some exceptions. The Usos straight away, like, jump out as being a massive Mm -hmm. exception to that. I think WWE generally tag teams go together because one of them is going to be a star and sometimes one of the other one probably isn't. Now, there are some definite exceptions to that. Matt and Jeff Hardy, obviously. Uh, Edge and Christian, both stars and Hall of Famers, both of which we're going to talk about later on in this. But I think Montez Ford definitely has something a little bit special about him. And I don't think it's just to go on and be a main eventer. For In, in my humble opinion, I think Montez Ford the sky's the limit with that guy. Mm-hmm. Like he is ridiculously charismatic. Every single time he walks in, he walks out of the arena. At the arena, whether it's the performance center or it's been actual arenas, he's got something about him that gravitates you to be like, no, focus on that guy again. I want to, I want the camera cut where I can see what Montez Ford's up to. 
when they won their first, what was it, their first Raw match or something, and they he goes out and like hugs the baby, I was just like, dude, just nominate, just get him into like public office somewhere. He is so fantastic, and for them to be saddled with the uh, the Viking annoyance for this long. <laughs> Has really because even um, Angelo Dawkins has gotten, you know, the first bit of notoriety that he's ever had with this team, but only because like this works for them. Like this really does work. And I think, yes, Montez Ford will go on to like maybe him and Bianca Belair are like the power couple and like he's going to maybe they, they end up going heel or whatever, and, you know, but that's not for a long time. I agree with you, Scott. I think, like, let's just be happy that we get the Street Profits, um, and that's what we have. And the sooner that they get away from the Viking Annoyance and move closer to, like, wrestling Akira Tozawa and the nine-foot-tall ninja, then (laughs) I'm more than happy to let that happen. Yeah, there's just such a weakness in terms of tag team wrestling, especially on Raw. Well, Vince doesn't seem to like tag team wrestling. He never has. No, he doesn't. He he doesn't. And it it backs up a lot of the stuff that FTR said, obviously, on the Jericho podcast that we were talking about, that there just isn't a plan for it a lot of the time, with some exceptions to New Day being one of those, the Usos being one of those when they're both fit and unfortunately one's injured at the minute and uh but who who knows but they do definitely need to have a match maybe extreme rules is that the next pay-per-view maybe that's the place to do it chuck them in a hardcore match watch them some vikings and some street profits hit each other for a bit then end it let's get another cinematic experience where it's like dragon ball z and they're just (laughs) fucking going balls to the wall like no, no, no. We know, we know what's going to happen now because the the fucking big show. We forgot. We've we've all of us have forgotten what happened on Raw. Big show's involved now, and his face for some reason. Oh, I didn't really watch a lot of Raw, so even oh, big talking show. about Raw made me yawn just now. Dude, big show came back and he fought some ninjas. The ninjas were what? back on Raw. Yeah. And he backed down from the giant ninja, but Big Show beat up some ninjas. I did not get one text about this this fact at all. I just assumed you were watching because you're a man. You know why? In the segment where basically Big Show said, "Like, why don't you have a match?" <clears throat> I, I was saying this earlier on to like some of but I, I said I think the reason that no they haven't had a match until now is maybe it's because they because they don't have authority figures anymore on the main roster. These guys are just doing whatever they want. And there's nobody around to actually make matches anymore. So there's nobody they need, to having a match. They need William Regal by iPad to tell them that they need to have a match. Oh, that oh, shit on that NXT was, was so funny. Cameron so Grimes good. was so good in that. When he starts chugging on, like he's just he's just holding on to his jaw the second he realized Drake has fucking William Regal on an iPad. <laughs> so funny. So so good, but yeah, Big Show beat fought some ninjas, but the giant ninja was back. So <laughs> Akira Tozawa is now a ninja. Good. And two things need to happen from here. One, someone needs to tell Bruce Pritchard that this is very insensitive, but preferably option two, 
I'm leaving this on the table. He gets to Jiri and Kenzo Suzuki. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. Option two, sliding out across the table. You don't have to take it. You can take option one, which is, this is a little bit insensitive, but option two, Tajiri and Kenzo Suzuki. I mean, talking of... (gasps) Jimmy Wang Yang's got a party bus. You didn't know that? Jimmy Wang Yang has a party bus. Why don't we just chuck them all in a party bus? Yeah, that way... Save some gas on the motorcycles. Just yeah, gas up the... Yeah, only gas, We could have all the ninjas in the party bus. You know, I was going to say, it's all very insensitive. Like, I was going to say, bring Hogan and tell, have him take the Viking Prophets and the Street uh, street Prophets. Viking, the Vi- fucking... To have him say to the Viking Prophets, you know, guys, I was in three ninjas, four. I know how to deal with ninjas, so if you want some advice, brother, I wasn't worth it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know Hulk Hogan just comes up, does this, does the slant eye gesture, just tells them they'll never be main eventers. But he never loses the Hulk Hogan like voice, so he's pulling his eyes back and he's just like, "Let me tell you something, Akira Tozawa. <laughs> the American audience isn't ready for you, brother." Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it's incredible. I want Akira Tozawa to be a ninja and and have like a ninja syndicate forever uh and always because uh once you're a ninja you can never go back um and i think that the viking prophets they need to be like a team to go up against a team of like a five-on-five survivor series dealy where they are like it's all five of them with the big show up against like akira tozawa the big dude and three other ninjas who can be named at a later time when they take I've their masks you. off. Tajiri, Kenzo Suzuki, Jimmy Wang Yang. Yes, yes. We are literally, what it is, it is 1988 again. And we are about to see five Americans face off against five Japanese people at SummerSlam. For freedom! Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening here. <laughs> I don't know what, like... Paul Heyman got sacked, and somehow it's the late 80s again. I think, go with me on this one. You know how in the press release for all of that, or whatever tweet came out about how uh, he's like only going to focus on his in-ring thing? What if they bring back the Raw general manager, and it's Paul Heyman? Oh. Ugh. While you were talking, I was just thinking... Maybe Bruce Pitcher's like he worked in the attitude there. He always he's always talking about how good Takamichi you know, was. He's like he's probably thinking, what if Kai and Tai were ninjas? <gasps> yeah, Funaki's there. Oh my god! Oh, I need I need need just the big uh, ninja dude. After Akira Tozawa is like talking with subtitles for a while, he just goes indeed. <laughs> If he takes off his mask and Funaki is just sat inside a giant person suit, just controlling it, it. Like, all it's like yeah. SmackDown's number one announcer, dude. Uh, you ever heard the story of William Regal talking about how dangerous Funaki is? Yes, yes. Oh, so good. Um, uh, did have you guys ever seen uh, Todd Pettengill try and interview the Japanese uh, 
media at WrestleMania nine. Uh, yeah, wait, that's this... a bit Have have we talked about this before? This sounds very racist. So. How racist is this? Oh, it's okay. So he goes up and he's crawling through the crowd, talking about like, oh, well, uh, what do you think about Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart and stuff? And he gets to the Japanese media people who are taking pictures and whatnot. And the Japanese guy who doesn't understand a word he's saying, and he he makes it very clear to Todd, I think it's Todd Pettengill, that he makes it very, very clear to him that he doesn't understand him. And so Todd Pettengill asks him again, because they're still live on, on pay-per-view. And so his response is just, Yokozuna number one! Ah! Yokozuna! It's the best. I'm pretty sure he just follows like the doink match where like they did the double like doink spot. And he keeps trying to ask me that, but they don't understand. And he looks deadpan back in the camera, saying, "Were there two doinks? We'll leave it up to you." Like, yes, of course there were two doinks. We just seen them. Oh my god, it's the best. It's maybe the best moment in WrestleMania history. Fight me. <laughs> Hit me up at Ben underscore E B E R T, or was it Carlos Fire eighty nine? Um, yeah, Carlos and Oscar Fire. You can you can let us know there why WrestleMania is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. The best WrestleMania of all time. Speaking of best of all time, it is time oh. for Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, ladies and gentlemen. This it match. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. There's a lot of people listening to this who are like this motherfucker. How uh, smooth this- as silk. This mo- this motherfucking match goes 13 minutes and 15 seconds, and Bobby Lashley almost kills a dude. Yeah, he almost chops him right on his fucking head. He almost chops him right on his head. And commentary: the first thing they say is, uh, "Well, you got to know that they love when a plan comes together." What paralyzing poor Drew McIntyre? Like, like... Yeah, well, Jimmy, there's a there's a world title on the line. You're not gonna paralyze a dude to win a world title. Oh, wait, I just remembered. Sorry, uh, other than this fantastic match, I think the MVP, uh, not MVP, but I think the most valuable player in all of Backlash is Samoa Joe for that comment about AJ Styles' family. Oh. He, <laughs> he does that, he licks his lip, and he just smirks, and then he gets that like serious Samoa Joe face. Ended me. Ended me, 110%. I love how no one cared about that storyline when it was happening. Like everyone was just like, "This is stupid," and now, and now, now it's gone away. Joe's just constantly reminding us of it. Uh, just, just quick, what? since you're mentioning Joe on commentary, a he's fantastic at it. B, I do hope he gets to come back to the ring. I know he's got a few issues like that are stopping him from getting back into the ring. I hope he gets like a proper run because his WWE main roster run. He's been so good, but so marred by injury. Yeah. Like, he's one of the only people in WWE right now who cares about continuity. Because like, even when after uh, Ambrose left the company, he kept like going the whole thing with Renee about how he put Ambrose on the shelf and she seemed to provide for her household. And then he kept this thing with AJ going by mentioning his family. Uh, like, the only person who remembers shit is Joe. Is like, you know how WWE's like, Oh, they won't remember this. Like Joe's like, hey, mind this thing I did like two years ago. <laughs> oh god, 
I forgot about how he literally went to a man's house and <laughs> attacked a, a wife. And he he wanted to be AJ Styles. First of all, AJ Styles has like six kids. And he only kept talking about his daughter. Um, He's so got six kids? It's like four or five. I was being facetious. Um, but he, well, does, he has get, a few... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did he get that six from? Where did I get the six from? Where did he what get did... the six from? Well, he's got four kids. Where did the fifth one come from? That's the question as well. Yeah, where, 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 where were the other two? <laughs> well, when a man and woman love each other very much outside of a bar, um, <laughs> and they they decide to be with one another, sometimes they have some kids. Um, sometimes it's like Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> My own personal Vietnam. <laughs> oh, oh, he's not. Uh, we should probably stop talking about that because AJ's not the only star with an issue. Well, all across there. all across the flat Earth, everybody knows that AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, and I hope that he wrestles Joe for the Intercontinental Title. Anyway, WWE title match, we were talking about that, and uh, this match was okay. It was all right. It was cool. It was good. Two giant, okay, yeah. as big as Big E would say, two big men made of meat slapping their meat together. Yeah, that's essentially it. Uh, I thought I, I did think it was really good. I think MVP and Bobby Lashley—they're a hell of a combination. They work well together because Bobby Lashley—he's got the look, he's got the size, he can wrestle. The one thing he can't necessarily do is talk real well, and MVP can talk real well. So I think that combination should definitely stay together. Uh, I had no idea after Raw. Jeez, what the? Yeah, yeah. I forgot Lana even still worked there. <laughs> is it me okay i need to just say this and just get yes, it out into the world yes it's you before you even say what it is it is you is it me or is her spray tan starting to get a little bit too much like blackface <laughs> like it's uh, getting rather dark uh, how do we touch that issue right now it's 2020 yes it is it's a it's little weird. much right? look she does look like there's a wick somewhere in her head and if you light it she would slowly melt <laughs> but i think she probably needs to leave <laughs> like, i think her and uh rusev should probably go and be an act together outside the company um she doesn't seem to have a place. I think MVP will be just a lot better alongside Lashley. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, I thought this match was fine. Scott, uh, what did you think uh, with your your boy, your uh, your your brother from another Scottish mother? Um, what did what did you think? Had this match like hold up? Because I thought the build was fine. I thought the build was pretty good as well. So yeah, the build was good and. I think Lashley, if it's been a couple months down the line, I think it would be more believable. Because like, I'd like to see Lashley as a champion like, as part of the speed with Drew if Drew wins it then back. Because like, the partnership with MVP has really proved like, Lashley. Because like, like, he's doing nothing with Lana. So the farther away she gets from him, the better, in my opinion. And I think the main reason, again, Lashley 
was was put in a position so early as again. I think there's been reports that Derry feels like there's a lack of star power at least even because of the stars that can't make it, which is apparently why the plan match of Edge Orton that had was meant to happen at SummerSlam and it was moved to back last night to help improve like the star power for the show, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I don't see how that's the performer's issue. I'm not saying that that's what you were saying, but that's surely a WWE. That's themselves an yeah, issue. Yeah. That's not anything to do with the performers. Like, if you took Edge and Orton off this show and put on Styles Bryan, mm-hmm. right, that's a pretty good show. I think with the net, like with the network, it's a pretty different issue. You can kind of get away with a lack of star, but people are still going to watch because they just want to watch quality wrestling. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ed Jordan has a certain star power to it as well. Yeah, I mean this this other match sort of happened. Um, it got me listening to the Panic at the Disco a lot more than I thought I was going to in 2020. Oh, um, I know. I've never even seen the Great Children. No, yeah, you can you can pay me to watch that movie, but like the the music <laughs> is fantastic. Um, and, um, I thought at some points the pumped in crowd noise sort of worked. Uh, I thought that some of the camera angles that they used were good enough. It didn't feel like 45 minutes, not at least the whole way through, like, but it did build to correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't edge have a thing when him and Christian had that podcast where he said that he has an idea for what the perfect match would be. Yeah, really he, he, so yeah, he he has said that before. Apparently, I might be wrong on this, but from memory, he spoke about it on his podcast before, and that he he's talked about it with Bret Hart before. Because I know that the three of the three of like Bret, Christian, and Edge are like friends, and I think Edge has said before that he's spoken to Bret Hart about what the perfect match would be. Luckily, it wasn't a sixty-minute Iron Man match because well, they they almost fucking got there. Oh, this was way better than that piece of shit. Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, like no, that, I Finkel. liked it, though. It, like, Ghost Howard Finkel doing the introduction. Oh, God. Can we just quickly talk about the amount of people who started calling that offensive? Oh, fuck that. I was Plus, choked off. I was so moved by that. The amount of people who were like, oh, the WWE were never nice to him when he was alive. Bullshit. Like, fuck off, how easily offended are you like, by everything? Like, And then people were tweeting Dave Meltzer and he was actually responding and being like, like some people were, oh, this is going to make it into the most offensive things of the year at my made-up bullshit awards. And Meltzer like, it's not even going to make it into the top ten. So <laughs> grow up, you boring, boring, and I'm going to use the word cunts. You are so boring. If you were offended by that, stop being offended on behalf of people. Jesus. I'm sure I'm sure Howard Finkel would have been really touched that they pulled his audio from a WWE 2K game to give these guys an entrance. Both of those guys came up in a time where Fink was still around, especially Edge, and Edge said that that uh, him and Christian winning the tag titles for the first time and hearing Fink call them the new, the new 
WWF Tag Team Champion. Like, that was a big moment in his career, and I think that both of those guys probably really pushed for that, and I think that that really set the tone for what was a really enjoyable match. I don't think it was the greatest match ever. They did wrestle greatly, but um, other than that, I think that this match really just nailed it. Um, it didn't. It wasn't ever going to be the greatest match ever because they slapped that tagline on it. But uh, sometimes the crowd noise was a little eh. But uh, other than that, I think it was. It was just. It was. It was good. It was good enough. Yeah. Before I talk about the match, I do agree. Like, get offended on behalf of other people, like of something that doesn't affect you, is like the worst kind of offense. Like, as the person who should be offended is offended, then fair enough. If they're not, stop being offended on their behalf because nothing's going to get done about it. So fucking just, you might as well not bother. And like the match itself, yeah. I didn't like how the, the consensus was, oh, it was good, but it wasn't the greatest ever. Like, well, it wasn't going to be the greatest ever. Even Edge said he thought it was a joke when they said, oh, we're calling this the greatest match ever. And he's been taking the piss out of it on Twitter for like the week leading up to this, which is just perfect. I like the uh, the camera angle looking down on them as they're like wrestling on the mat, which kind of took me back to Brett versus Owen from May 10, which Edge would appreciate because I think he's talked like, a lot about Owen and and Brett in the past I like some of the moves they were doing like yeah it went on eight pages but I think it's still one of the best matches of both men's career like my brother I remember was fading because obviously it was like after two when this was going on it was already going like 20 odd minutes and then I think it was Edge it's a rock bottom my brother the biggest rock fan in the world immediately sits back up that's his second wind like right I'm invested now yeah just to echo everything kind of scott had just said which i hate to do um <laughs> it was it it was never going to be the greatest match ever as scott's already said and edge quite rightfully took the piss out of that on twitter like some of the tweets even being like about how he was sitting outside reading a book and having the greatest coffee ever and things like that for about a week before the match aired was just class and uh but this will go down as one of the best matches of both guys career which is seems oh good to say about randy orton at this point but edge being in like the age that he is the amount of years that he took off and everything and possibly the best match that he's ever had in his career you think of the best match that he's he's had like some matches with cena come to mind the obviously the wrestlemania match with mick foley comes to mind the taker match in the main event at wrestlemania comes to mind but i think this one is possibly right up there I like the camera angles that they were doing for the match as well. And, uh, like, I thought it was great. It was a great main event. It was a main event that could have main evented any show, even a WrestleMania. And maybe you can argue it was a little long, but I think it was designed to be long. And I think you, everyone should have known it was going to go crazy long, given the build that it, gave, it had with it. I think the greatest tag perhaps started out as a joke based on the fact that loads of people had moaned about their WrestleMania match, perhaps should have disappeared at some point before the show. But that might just be a hindsight thing. Because for me, it started out as a joke. And I even said on, I think it was an AEW review that we did a while ago, that, yeah, it's just a joke they're doing it. I like the fact they're trolling people. 
but then it kind of uh, as it got close to the show I was like oh they're sticking with it <laughs> like, like, like they, they mentioned it offhand like having Chuck or still say it a couple of times the first couple of weeks of like the build of that kind of offhand thing and then you see all these posters for it and then the graphic literally building it the greatest match ever and like you had that suddenly was like oh fuck they're serious and yeah. I was worried for Edge because like I think a lot of people shit on that mainly because Orton was involved and Orton's always got his complaints of being lazy and being complacent and I thought it was going to really hinder Edge's comeback if the match didn't really live up because like obviously he just came back so a lot of people were worried like how much can Edge really go I think he he jumped out of the park even though he got like injured and like I often I remember thinking I watched the, the Brian Agent match from Smackdown which was around 40 odd minutes I think like including adverts but he and it was a really good match but I was thinking to myself what if they put this on backlash and they get this the greatest match ever tagline I bet you not not nearly enough people would take in the piss out of it as they have been with Edge and Orton like if, if on AEW and I don't mean to be that person who shits on AEW because they watch the movie but I like both but like say any of like Cody's like TNT title defense he's had so far like him be Mark Quinn or him be Jungle Boy they put the greatest match ever I'd guarantee no one would be taking a piss out of it. No, I completely agree. And I think, like, you could put Edge v. Randy Orton, you could put that match on the end of an AEW, like, uh, pay-per-view as well. And, like, was to put the matches side by side and take the emotion out of the two, was Edge v. Orton any, like, was it a level below Cody v. Dustin? No, I don't think it was. Like, both are stellar matches, but... They match up quite quite easily, and you've got one guy in their prime. I know Cody's a good few years younger than Randy Orton, and you've got one guy who, in Dustin and Edge, who is perhaps past their prime. Like, were the matches any? Could you really fault either of them against each other? I don't think you could. I think Cody and Dustin had a hell of a lot more emotion and story behind it. Like, it was on a different level story-wise, but. I think I think it was a great match. It didn't need the stupid bells and whistles around it. The greatest tag, it really didn't need it. Well, I think uh, again, this is something I've just heard like on the internet from people and stuff. But it strikes me as maybe they had already licensed the music and the whole greatest wrestling match ever for a Saudi show, and <laughs> then then they <laughs> and then they couldn't like use it because no one was going to go to Saudi Arabia during a pandemic. So like they were just like, Oh, well we've paid all this money to, uh, I don't know, I guess Hugh Jackman and the guy from panic at the disco. Um, and like now we can't use it. Oh, wait a minute. We still have a network and a building that we can just shoot this thing in. And it was, it was filmed like a while before that. And, and apparently edge got injured during like a retake um like uh, on a a set of moves glass isn't he no 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 it was uh it was like a retake of the top rope rko i think so like it could happen to anybody i think but i mean also he's what 40 some odd years old so yeah and he's been on the shelf for nine years so, like, yeah, things are going to happen. And especially when you're doing retakes of stuff, sometimes 
sometimes shit happens. You know, you 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 only have so many bumps on your bump card, you know, yeah. and whatnot uh, before you get an injury, not before your career is over, obviously. But uh, it, it just that's what it strikes me as that they were going to use this for something anyway. And they just had to like, I think I heard somebody say that it was like the 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 contract the licensing contract ran out the Monday after backlash so they had to use it. <laughs> I, I can't imagine just to get into the just to get into the particulars on the licensing thing. I can't imagine that's entirely true because a it won't have cost it won't cost them anything if they'd paid for those things and then they didn't use them. That wouldn't matter. So they oh yeah, no, it was totally just like a like a little joke that somebody was writing. They didn't need to. But secondly, a hundred percent, they're going to Saudi Arabia and booking the greatest match ever. That's what, what I'm saying. What, here's that's fantasy book. What was that? What were they going to do? Orton and Edge probably. Oh yeah, Edge. Edge really go to Saudi for the same reasons as Cena. He's building this acting career. I mean, he's going to start in the greatest movie ever, Money Plane. Alongside but, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> but we've, we, here's the difficulty is that we've already said that some people are saying, oh, they were going to say Orton Edge. They were going to save it for SummerSlam. Now we're also saying, no, they were mm-hmm. going to do the greatest match ever in Saudi Arabia. We're already messing with the truth here. Wh- which one's true? And what was the greatest match going to be? And was it the return of Shane McMahon? Well, yes, that, yes. But, uh, knew it. But, <laughs> As we all know, Saudi Arabia only exists on Earth 2 in the WWE universe. So... The thing with the the greatest, like, and that being safe for Saudi Arabia, I think I've heard that before as well. And I would have put it back because, like, we've watched the greatest Royal Rumble and, like, the best tag team in the world tournament and all that. Like, I also, like, put on Twitter that I... Why I hope the reason is for them putting asylum is I put on Twitter during the show, like, I hope it comes at years later that someone backstage just really loved the, the soundtrack to Greatest Showman and wanted a reason <laughs> to use that for a WWE show and just decided to include the tagline best match ever. Vince Vince was running late for a meeting one day and uh, they, the, the writers are all just sitting in a room listening, this is the greatest show! And Vince just stumbles in and goes, what was that? Are they talking about us? And they were like, well, maybe let's what do you think we could do and then the greatest wrestling match ever was born as a complete as a complete aside like we talk about greatest uh match ever we've never had discussion on a podcast so we're going to do it right now but in everyone's opinion what is their greatest match ever right jimmy what's the best match you've ever seen i mean I think that it's definitely a matter of opinion. The greatest wrestling match I've ever seen, period. Yeah, just, or just, just per- personally, due to purely subjective. What and is your WWE? No, no, just, no. Any promotion. Okay, well, greatest match I've ever seen live is Joey Janela versus Teddy Hart. They went for 57 minutes and absolutely beat the shit out of each other at GCW Art of War in 2017. Uh, greatest wrestling match I've ever seen on pay per view, probably. Oh, shit. Uh, probably one of the RVD versus Jerry Lynn matches from ECW. Maybe. 
I'd, I'd really have to think about it. But it's subjective. So, I mean, my mind changes on that depending on my mood. Um, I, I, you know what? If I had to pick one straight off the bat, it would have to be the two out of three falls tag team match uh, that the Revival and uh, DIY had at TakeOver in Toronto. I'm just going to say that one. Go for it. Uh, Scott, what about you? Take a look, like, like I'll do like best like one I've watched and one best live because I know the best live one is probably still Jackie Polo versus Lionheart. I see that we shook so far in night one because it was the main event for night one and basically it was like the most divided I've seen in a career. Like me and half of the crowd were all Jackie Polo, the other half all Lionheart, and like they did a spot where Lionheart had been like had recently broke a few years earlier broke his neck taking a sales clash wrong. And so Jackie Polo, as part of the big comeback for Lionheart, he gets hit with a sales clash, kicks out one, sits right back up and just stares right at Jackie Polo. And Jackie Polo gives us look like this and like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I think I'll just throw this in because like, uh, I mentioned it on uh, the best shows of the decade. I'll maybe just say like maybe Gargano Champa on sanctions for the best match I've seen on pay-per-view, but my opinion probably on that probably changes like every other day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what's yeah. your incredibly sarcastic uh, answer to this to this question, Nathan? Oh, I was going to give a serious answer, like a proper answer. Like, I think the, the best match I've seen live is definitely Walter v. Tyler Bate, because I was there for TakeOver Cardiff. Oh, that's right. You were fucking there for that. Yeah, oh, I was there for man. that. Oh, man. That must that's have been bit, awesome. It was, it was completely awesome. And uh, that's the best match I've seen live. The best match, I've got two. And uh, one is pay-per-view, one's non-pay-per-view. I wasn't there for either of them, uh, obviously, if you say. One is, I'll never forget, watching Eddie Guerrero v. Brock Lesnar for the first time. And uh, at No Way Out 2004. Yeah, yeah. I ran home from school uh, after I got off the bus. And I literally, literally ran home on Monday to watch it in illegal means. But I still ran home to watch it. Because uh, I needed to know if Eddie had won or not. And uh, the other one for me, I was a massive Jeff Hardy fan growing up. And watching Jeff Hardy, The Undertaker, the ladder match on SmackDown yeah, in like 2002, it must have been. Yeah, that was, is pretty dope. Uh, that was I, really, hearing, J, hearing JR say, make yourself famous, kid. Like as like, Jeff Hardy got so close before Taker hit him with a chair was ridiculous but that's probably one of the greatest matches very subjective like i know it's not the greatest match ever but i mean i wouldn't deny that choice because like i love that match i have such fond memories of it but because i even so much so i don't uh, forget where we were talking about best undertaker matches of all time and you're only allowed to bring like two each and but the first one i mentioned was that one because, like, you don't think of Undertaker having great TV matches. You think of Undertaker, like, always been brought in for big pay-per-views. But that yeah. is one of the TV matches Undertaker's ever had. I am... Um, we went to Scott. You'll probably know the clothes store Peacocks. Yeah, I figured I yeah. remember that. When I was a kid, we were, went to a Peacocks in a town called Wickford in Essex. And they had black, like, material trousers with loads of pockets in. And I was, like, 10 years old or something loads of pockets all down them like the hardy boys ones and i cried because my mum wouldn't buy me them and then she bought me them and i wore them all to pretend i was jeff hardy 
<laughs> like, oh, <laughs> 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 uh, good times. So, Raw this week straight after Backlash of the Edge, unfortunately getting hurt, but the Randy Orton story continues with the obvious choices, which is Edge's not brother, but was his brother for a long time, Christian, who appeared on Raw for one more match, and that was kind of the recurring story throughout the entire episode. Scott, what did you make of it? I really enjoyed it. Like, I like the callback to the one more match thing with him and Orton. I really enjoy that feel. I don't think you really get talked about as much as it really should like over the World Series. Like, I think it got eclipsed when it was around because Punk was doing so much and the World Series title was very much secondary at that time. Like, it was a really great feud. And then the whole confliction of like of Christian, whether or not he's going to accept and now he does. And I like the fact that it was unsanctioned so he didn't wrestle in like, wrestling gear. They didn't conveniently like have gear with them or anything like that. And the fact that it was so short, I think, given the circumstances in which Christian retired, given like the multiple injuries he's had all his career, I think for his health, if they were worried about that, then it's probably for the best they kept it short, even though I didn't expect it to go so short, given how much they built it up through the entire episode. Yeah, that was the unfortunate thing, is that we didn't... We, don't, we, didn't, we still don't know if Christian was actually cleared to wrestle a match. Like, we still... Don't really know that, but the entire theme of the episode, would Christian actually accept the match at one point? But they kept the Randy Orton train going. And like some people have said, this is their favorite version of Randy Orton, which you seem to hear every single time Randy Orton does something new. So who knows if that's actually the general consensus. But I thought it was really... Doing nothing. I think he does it on purpose. He goes through periods of seeming bored just so when he does something good people react more yeah you're not wrong but it was great to see christian kind of in his element and he never got a proper send-off and i don't think it would be a bad thing if randy Orton punting him in the head he's potentially his greatest singles foe in wwe ending his career that's quite a bow in the cap for when edge does return because you could very easily do Edge v. Randy Orton free now, which Edge had tricep surgery at some point uh, after they filmed the Backlash match, so he's not going to be back for at least six months. But it was a great story told throughout, and the dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, low-blowing you in and getting punk-kicked by Randy Orton. That's not a bad way to end your career. The screenshot of uh, Ric Flair giving the low blow to Christian makes it look like he's giving him, like, a proctology exam. Um, That's going to fucking hurt, man. He is just, he is elbow deep up in there, and it just looks horrendously painful. And, of course, the kick, the kick looked fantastic. Uh, And, of course, Christian's been acting uh, the last few years and whatnot, so he... He really sold the uh, the kick really, really well. Yeah, it was, it was great. And I think it's a great story. I don't know where Randy Orton goes from here, but you 100% have to keep this, this character going. Uh, I, for one, I think SummerSlam, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's obvious, but it's the absolute way to go. Yeah. 
Hopefully it's better than his feud with Kofi last year. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully the whole feud isn't built on someone going stupid from about six years beforehand. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way that they just... They, it took too long for that feud to happen, and if it had happened a couple of years sooner, uh, I'm sure Kofi versus Orton would have been even better. I liked Kofi versus Orton just because even the matches were, were fun and the callbacks to 2011 or whatever that was, was, was good. And, uh, yeah, I think Orton, when he gives a shit and he's visibly giving a shit, there is no version of Orton that's better. So I guess that's what people might mean by, uh, this is their favorite version of him. Cause when he's legend killer or I don't give a fuck, Stupid, 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 Randy. Then I'm all about it. I think bald head, bald headed psychopath, Randy Orton, from like when he had Legacy. I think that's my favorite, Randy Orton, the one that tried to, the one that made out with Stephanie McMahon without her consent. <laughs> when he actually looked like a real snake. I don't think you've ever seen a snake before. He looked like a snake. Snakes have that many tattoos. Uh, you, do. don't, you don't do know. You give him some tattoos. <laughs> that's the next. That's the next punishment podcast. It's just going to be audio of whoever loses trying to give a tattoo to a snake. No, that's the next creator. Is create a snake. <laughs> How many tattoos does your snake have? Ninety-seven. <laughs> Shit, that's a lot of snakes and tattoos. Yeah. The other big question being potentially one of Warren's best like, single opponents, I wouldn't really argue that because I'm trying to think who Elsie's been around with. And like, I know they try to make him and see nothing like the most epic rivalry ever. I could probably count on one hand the amount of Cena Warren matches I actually thought were good. When we talk about Randy Orton, great singles opponents in terms of rivalries, it's Cena, Triple H, Christian, Edge, and. I don't know you're really reaching from there. Taker? But they had quite they had a short feud WrestleMania match. That time where Taker burst out of a casket. And then that time when Randy Orton's dad nearly gave Taker AIDS. I think one of Orton's best few matches for me, like like especially his early Legend Killer run, is him versus Shelton Benjamin at Bad World 04 for the Intercontinental title. Because it's basically two young guys trying to prove themselves. Yeah. Uh, I guess Autumn v. All Legends. Would that count as a rivalry? Yeah, Yeah. Orton versus Legends is easily his greatest. I think Legend Killer was like the the best that he's ever done. Uh, That's not to discount... You know, the Wyatt family stuff or uh, up until that WrestleMania match uh, and then this stuff with Edge and the stuff he did with Christian. And you can he's been around for so long at this point that, like, you can pull a lot of really good feuds and matches. Um, But I I think easily Christian's best stuff was with Orton and Orton just has I mean, his feud with McFoley was was still really good, too. Um yeah, oh, so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty to pull from. 
the rocking chair Mick Foley promo is mm-hmm. ridiculous for the Randy Orton thing. But I think would Randy Orton's greatest rivalry be against the wellness policy? Oh, oh satire for everyone a little bit uh, of satire and now uh, ladies and gentlemen we're being sent to cease and desist <laughs> but no, so that I, so that must mean that because the greatest wrestling match has happened that that must mean that what do we got left to cover guys nothing wrestling is finished we will never be back the wrestling series finale has happened ladies and gentlemen and uh, I think- it's been it's been a good run been a good run mostly yeah yeah other than no it's not (laughs) (laughs) i think just go listen to scott and paul's rambling podcast really to talk about (laughs) frazier that's all that's left do you guys ever cover cheers no i I never could really get any cheers the way i got any frazier i don't know why We'll go listen to the unmotivated Randy Orton of podcasts over at <laughs> SP Rambling. Fuck you. You did, <laughs> did an episode centered around our favourite types of confectionery one day, one week because, well, because we wanted to because it was nearly Easter. What is your favourite type of confectionery? I've got too many favourites, that's why I'm so unhealthy. Oh, okay. Well, if you want to know what his favorite confection or his list of favorite confectionaries is, you're going to have to go and listen to the Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. And if I wanted to find out when you guys happen to, you know, put up a new episode or something, is there a way that through the Internet I could find that out, Scott? Oh, by chance there is, yes. Uh, it's on Twitter, at SP Rambling, or our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast, where we post the links to every new episode that goes up on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all the same. I know what I can say so you can find Rogue Opinions. And if I, you may have listened to Greatest Royal Rumble uh, commentary, but I think if you listen to this, I mean, Nathan's punishment for In Your House. But if you haven't heard enough of me being punished, then go over to SP Rambling as me and Paul finally recorded uh, our WrestleMania punishment of Starcade 2000, where we talked about that show, which actually has a decent opening match and then flies straight off a cliff completely and how more drunk and depressed I get through the majority of that show well that is definitely informative and the way things should be done ladies and gentlemen Nathan tell the people what you got going on buddy well you can find me at Nathan Greenaway where I seemingly have nothing going on but (laughs) if you go to at rogue underscore opinion you'll find the naked men podcast it was our year celebration podcast the other day where we went back to the well and uh pitched some pop culture icons against each other in combat some of that combat physical some of it mental and uh the naked men podcast will continue every single week some lockdown quizzes over there there's also an interview over there where me and jimmy Spoke to Pro Wrestling Magic Steve Off, one of the founders and managers of that company, just about his time in wrestling. And also what's coming up for the Magic Kingdom. And we will have another interview next week 
actually, where we would talk to YouTuber JTV about his time as being a YouTuber and also uh, just about being being on YouTube in general and all the sort of different content that he does. But Jimmy, what have you going on, got going on, man? So many things. Uh, you got to go over to patreon.com forward slash pro wrestling magic. If you want to hear the entirety of the 55 minutes or so that I spent with pro wrestling magic ring announcer Shane Fair, um, we're we're pretty close. We're pretty friendly uh, and we, it's a pretty fun conversation. So if you want to hear the full version that is, you know, about 25 minutes longer than the free version that is on the Rogue Opinions uh, archives, um, then definitely go and check that out. Patreon.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic. Also on Twitter at Wrestling Magic and Instagram Pro Wrestling Magic uh, and Facebook as well. Uh, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic because we got a lot of matches and stuff going on. Um, Steve Off actually wrestles in the free match that we just put up today against the Psycho Drivers, Everett Cross and Smiley for the Pro Wrestling Magic World Tag Team Championships. Uh, it's a pretty good match, so to find out how that went down, go check that out. And, of course, I'm always on Twitter, at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T, because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And, um, I don't know, something seems to be bubbling over at the uh, the Moves Crew uh, Productions Twitter. Not sure exactly what that's about, but uh, maybe go and check that out as well. That's MCPod23. So much stuff. So many things, dude. So many things. You're a busy boy, but I hope you've enjoyed this grapple update. Uh, I hope we've updated you on all the grapples. Uh, if we missed anything, uh, just tweet at Ben underscore E-B-E-R-T and let him know why we're wrong or what we've missed. Let him know what your favorite impact match is. Oh, and make sure to yell at him that we didn't talk about New Japan, not even once. <laughs> oh, that cup. So good. Bye, everybody. On this day, I see clearly.